I've left my my like to be alone. I am so naturally selfish that being in a relationship with him has kind of like pushed me to be aware of all the ways that I'm jacked up. You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 59, The Right Roundtable, a special one-year anniversary mixtape episode featuring returning good newsies, Tony Bork, Diana Bolette, Bruce Plochet, Amanda Yellett, and Carrie Hankins. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Welcome back to Find the Good News. It's been one year since this show launched and circumstances have lined up just right so I can bring you this special mixtape episode. If this is your first episode, then make sure to look up the past episodes of each guest that I visit with today. For my new listeners, thank you for putting good news in your podcast lineup. For those returning for more good news, thank you for turning your ear towards this good news podcast week after week. On Thursday, October 3rd, we'll be going live once again. My co-host for this live show is Tom Trahan of the Brimstone Museum. We get to visit with Patrick Bennett of the Late Charles Film Festival. If indie films are your jam, then I promise this live episode will be a blast. This is super important. If you want to chat live during the show, make sure to get the Mixler app for your smartphone before the show. You'll be able to listen and chat with other listeners when we go live. That's Mixler.com. M-I-X-L-R dot com. The Livewire Challenge with Lightning Round with Patrick is going to be a blast, so stick around to play along. I also need to tell you about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. Every early riser patron that supports Find the Good News gets access to a super secret podcast called The B-Sides. It's a sneaky peek into the conversations and planning that goes on with the Parker Brand Creative Services crew that helps me produce Find the Good News. If you like behind the scenes content, then become an early riser patron at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. That's patreon.com slash find the good news. Okay, it's time to load up that old Viewmaster with images of Tony, Diana, Bruce, Amanda, and Carrie. Put on your favorite pair of headphones. Enjoy the feedback buzz as you snap in the jack. Turn the dial until the levels are just right. Take a breath. Check your pulse. Make a clean runway for those good newsies to land in your heart. Then press play on a little good news. A little over a year ago, I came back from a personal retreat and sat down with my creative crew to tell them about something I wanted to do. After reflecting on the state of my mind, my work, and the actual tangible good I was or was not doing through my trade, I had decided that I wanted to change the rules we'd been operating by and create a signal all our own, a channel, a stream, that was focused on finding and sharing the good. In short, I wanted to stand around this wide umbrella of goodness and take a hard 360 degree look at the community I lived in and invite others to join me under this canopy to share their stories of good works in all their varieties and colors. More than that, I wanted to feel the sacred hearts that were beating behind these good works and hopefully through deep listening, curiosity, intimacy, and conversation, I would get to hear the stories, thoughts, fears, hopes, dreams, inspirations, successes, and struggles that shaped these good people to do the good works they were doing. 
The show would be a podcast produced by the Parker Brand Creative Services team, leaning heavily on our 20 years of experience in marketing, communications, and design. The original name I'd come up with was Find the Good. As luck would have it, the name was taken, and so was the domain. But we happened upon the domain findthegood.news. Find the Good News was created. We created some fun graphics to play with, outlined our format, and started inviting good people on the show. And they came. Then, more people showed up. Before long, I was doing exactly what the introduction to the show stated. I was visiting with artists, educators, business owners, civic and spiritual leaders, and everyday citizens that were working to bring hope and happiness to their corners of the world. Find the Good News expanded into road trips, mixtape roundtables, and live episodes. Listenership has grown, and with each conversation, my understanding, awareness, and happiness has grown as well. Producing Find the Good News has touched me on every dimension. I've laughed and cried with guests, and each one has left me to think deeply on our talk long after the microphones have powered down. After a full year of Find the Good News, what I know as truth is this. Good news doesn't wear one face. Good news looks like all of the people that have shared their hearts and minds at the right round table and those that are yet to come. This show doesn't happen without each and every one of these good newsies taking their time to do their good work and then talk about it with me. I'm humbled by each one of them. They are my teachers and I'm so glad to have each of them in my personal history. To you, the listeners, I say thank you for putting your ears on each week and tuning your dial to this show. There's a lot of news in the world, and you are choosing to find the good. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up a story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance, and a holy wall of light. Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you want to rewind, snip out the best parts, then put them all together. With Find the Good News mixtapes, that's exactly what I get to do by putting good people doing good works together at the same table. On this show, I visited with individuals who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. Now, we're getting back together to expand on our original conversations. These guests have returned to share even more of their good news with me and to open their hearts and minds to each other. We have elevated discourse about the things going on in our lives, revealing our critical life experiences, perspectives, and the fundamental beliefs that have anchored each to a path of goodness. Every good newsie has a story. Each has good news to share. My name is Oren Parker. I'm mixing and matching my wonderful guests, and we're going to find the good together. And I love you just as well. First of all, I'd like to thank you all for coming back. It's been one year. Really it's weird. I know it flew by. I remember when I started it, I thought this is going to be tough. Am I going to be able to find 10 people to talk to much less a whole year week after week? Cause I thought, Oh, I'll tell people it's going to come out every week. But if I can't do that, I'll switch it to every two weeks. And then maybe it'll become a once a month thing and I'll be really chasing folks. But what happened was it just sort of these feedback loop 
started happening. People started going, oh, hey, I know somebody or I know somebody else. And then the guests would know people and they would listen to another person's episode. And it would just sort of stimulate some, uh, they, I guess it just got into all the cracks, you know? Everybody's like, well, I know somebody. I mean, everybody here has probably recommended yep. somebody. Lots That's of good cool. people. Yeah, really, really awesome. So just before we get started, so people know the voices, I'd like to go around the table and everybody just kind of introduce themselves really briefly so they can hear your voice and just tell them who you are and what you do. You're looking at me first. Yeah, <laughs> to my left. <laughs> um, I'm Carrie Hankins. I am a nurse practitioner, and a couple of years ago with Kristen Cassidy and Susan Couch started Truth, Facts, and Lies, which is an education program for middle school and high school kids. Um, and we started the Southwest Louisiana Youth Foundation, a nonprofit, so we could put the program in schools at no charge to the kids. And we talk about human trafficking and dating and relationship abuse and sexual harassment and pornography addiction. And one day my kids are going to be so embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My name is Amanda Yellett. Um, On the internet, I am Charlie Sue. And I am a man, but I am a lady. (laughs) (laughs) That was a part of our conversation. (laughs) I I kept you at arm's length for a long time. I was like, I don't know if this is a real account or not. Yeah, I'm kind of creepy. So on all of creepy. the internet, you are a man named Charlie Sue. Yeah. Okay. I feel yeah. like I know that. You probably Charlie do. I've, okay. I used to be Amanda, and then they yes. made me um, change my I name. I refuse to think of her as Amanda now. She's okay. Just, yeah. Charlie Sue? <laughs> okay. The end. Okay. I'm Diana Vallette. Um, the short story is that I grew up in unbelief. I was an, not a believer, and about six years ago, I had a really radical conversion that changed my life. And when I came down from that conversion, things were messy and confusing. They weren't all fixed like I thought they would be. I searched for somewhere to turn to when that happened. I didn't have anywhere, so I became that place. I just became really honest about my life, and I blog about it. The end. <laughs> I'm Tony Bork. I founded the Water's Edge Gathering. I speak to a lot of people on Sunday, and we feed a lot of homeless people during the week. I'm Bruce Ploche. I am a licensed professional counselor. I have a private practice uh, at New Horizons Counseling Center, and then I also do case management at the Institute for Neuropsychiatry. Awesome. So whenever I had the idea, this was like six months ago, I thought, okay, this is going to be cool. We did the one mixtape episode, and then so every couple of months I'll pick people who kind of were in the same category, and I'll put them back together, and we'll have these real specific conversations. still think that's a good idea, but... As the anniversary started coming up, I was like, man, wonder if it would even be possible to coordinate all these people's schedules for a specific day and a specific time. Because that's really tough to do. I mean, yeah. it really, and it surprised me that all of you were able to, I think within Bruce and I seconds. were kind of having that talk. I was like, look at this. This is yeah. all working out on this day. It was it within just, seconds because you messaged and you said, um, what days don't work? And yeah. then like 10 seconds later, you were like, okay, how about this day? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah. That I was works. really surprised that it all worked out i mean yeah it blew my mind actually so hey that's awesome and uh what was really cool when i looked at the stats which i don't like to look at them from like a popularity (laughs) contest but it's just neat to see what people are gravitating towards and so when the the top five shook out i mean i was like hey these folks are all in really different slices of life so this is not going to be like that original mixtape idea i mean these intersections may actually happen today Mm-hmm. You know, if they haven't happened already on the yeah. show. So if you haven't listened to the mixtape episode, what we do, or what we did last time anyway, is I have went back and listened to each of your episodes 
with a little more acute ear and I didn't pull things out specifically to be sensational. I didn't pull things out to sabotage you. Oh, that's good, because I'm okay. nervous. <laughs> because, I mean, I don't want it to be like that. It's supposed to have be, be healthy and stimulate conversation with people that maybe wouldn't all sit at the table together. I was scared that you were going to pull out the part of my episode that said, oh, well, I'm not listening to Tony's because he doesn't need as much love as the rest. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I did listen Stay to it, and it was great. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, it is. It's interesting. I just went back and listened and was like, what, what jumped out at me? It had no other. I had no other agenda than that. Like, what did they say that stopped me for a minute? Because a lot of things stop me when I go back and listen to people talk. But uh, that's what I did. Is I picked a few things from each one of y'all's that really just stopped me. That's something I wanted to reflect on and maybe get you to talk about even more and, and see what other people thought. So that was how it worked. It was no no agenda beyond that. Just what jumped out at me. And. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to play those, and then that's going to be the way our conversation goes. And when the conversation wraps up, we'll move on to the next person. I had selected you guys randomly. Carrie's got some time restrictions. So we're going to move Carrie's plumbing issues. I plumbing. Hope. So we're going to put Carrie's to the front, and I'm going to go ahead and cue it up. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so get ready. The shyest person at the table should not go first, regardless of plumbing <laughs> issues. Who's the shy? You think you're the shyest person at the Charlie. table? It seems to be Charlie. Charlie. I'm, yeah. a, I'm actually an introvert. I'm an extroverted introvert. <laughs> All right, oh so my. let me this get is so you. Fan- oh, for everyone no. watching, there's like a TV screen. There's a whole thing happening you That's can't fine, see. fine, Carrie. Okay. All right, Carrie, so you said this. Let's see if you've changed any, your mind. Mm. <laughs> a lot of pressure. We talk about what does it mean to be a feminist, and we start out in the beginning, raise your hand if you're a feminist, and half the class will typically not raise their hand because I think it's gotten a negative connotation, but the definition of a feminist is anyone who supports gender equality. Yeah. And so by the end of this, we ask again, raise your hand if you're a feminist. Everybody should be. Yeah, I see what you mean, right. And so when I talk about my dad or my husband being great feminists, they never once thought my place was behind someone else or my place was at home. Which And there's nothing wrong with that's where your place, that's what you're called to do. You do what fills you up and makes you feel good. But there was never a pressure for me to do that. It was always, you do whatever you want to do and we're going to support you. Yeah. So if you want to run for president, go for it. If you want to stay home and raise kids, go for it. It's your choice and we got you. Um, but those times when I'm feeling overwhelmed or nervous or gosh, this is so hard. Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. I've got those cheerleaders behind me saying, you can do this. You can do hard things. You said it. I forgot we even talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what's good about this. It's pretty fun, right? Yeah. I still feel that way. Um, I mean, every day my husband is the best, biggest feminist I know, and sometimes even pushes me to be better at it. Um, yeah. And we're raising a daughter. I'm raising sons too. Um, we read, or I read, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. The Lean In Lady. Why can't I think of her name? Don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. She worked for Facebook. Hmm. Cheryl Sandberg. Okay. She oh, wrote a yeah. book several years ago called Lean In, and there was a chapter in it about girls being bossy. And when you're a kid, when you're tell don't be bossy, if a boy had done the same thing, he's taken the bull by the horns, he's a leader, and girls are kind of shamed for it. And I let him read that passage, and he was like, oh my gosh, we do that. Yeah. And he said, we're not using that word at our house anymore. Mm. Bossy. I don't want Caroline to ever feel like she can't be the boss. Right. And a friend of mine quoted Doc McStuffins the other day and said, um, 
she said in the show, she's not being bossy, she's the boss. Mm. And, and thought, Doc McStuffins' dad is a stay-at-home dad, and the mom is a doctor. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> nice. How awesome is that? Um, so I just, I love that line from Doc McStuffins, and I think that's a nice thing for girls, especially young girls to hear. She's not bossy, she's the boss, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I wondered about it. The reason I stopped on that is because I think sometimes the words we use are what off puts people and i kept wondering like what is being what is off putting to people when they say oh are you a feminist why does that offend and i think and it just made me wonder because then i listened to your explanation of what a feminist is and it's like i support gender equality Mm -hmm. and i said and i thought well okay maybe this is where you know again trying to get in the mind of the other side that's offended by that maybe this is where they're they're saying well then why are we using a female word to describe something about gender equality and it just made me think that this is how the beginning of change is mm-hmm. we, we have to use the language that we know to eventually end up in a better way of speaking right so like i i can see a day where we won't have to say the word feminist right. anymore yes. you know we it, won't have to use that word it, it's like if it was a perfect world and everything was starting off fresh and it was even feminists would seem like it's kind of tilted to that side of it but with where we've come from right and we're not there yet we're, we're definitely not there yet it's still in order to balance the scales you have to tilt it to one side mm. and so that's why that word yeah is still being used and hopefully we can have a future off of the distance where you know it, it is even in a neutral word but uh yeah we're not there yet yeah mm. well the the book that influenced western civilization the new testament uh, masculine's considered strong and good. Mm-hmm. Feminine's considered weak and bad, whether that's male and female or a male. And so, what influenced our culture to think that way? Mm, yeah, goes all the way back thousands of years ago. Very masculine, good, yeah. good, strong; feminine, bad, weak. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so, there needs to be a, a you know, a turning of that. Mm-hmm. When I think the word feminist is off-putting to people because there's an assumption that because I'm a feminist I'm a male bashing yeah I feel like I'm better than and I don't feel that way at all all. I feel like I'm different with different strengths and different gifts and different talents but isn't that true for everybody whether you're male or female Mm -hmm. um it may may teach my sons hey if you want to cry cry I mean this ain't no tough tough guy house right you know if you need to talk talk please you know like I don't tell them to toughen up yeah. You know, we don't need more tough guys in society. <laughs> right. We need some guys who can cry with you. That's you know? right. Yeah. Speaking, like, specifically to the word, I wonder if the word would be received um, with such trepidation by certain people if it was if it had a masculine. Yeah, I wonder, you know? too. That's a good... I think it's because, for us, male is normal mm. and female is maybe, like, an outlier it's questioning the status quo Mm -hmm. and so maybe there's a problem with the way that we receive that information just because it seems like it's pushing against things Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah no it's true i think they're right yeah well and it's like uh tony said in his um episode the reason we call god or jesus a man is because it was a patriarchal thing at that time Yeah. yeah and so now this is just women are the ones that are being affected the most at this moment by yeah. that you know so and, we and I, put the feminine yeah. you know vibe uh-huh. on it and i think it's been weaponized by politics uh it, politics tends to do that it comes into uh things and just takes a word and weaponizes it and then all of a sudden you have a base that hates the word and then you have a base that supports the word and yeah. it's it's 
sometimes it's not even about the word anymore. It just becomes about the mm. politics. That's right. Yeah. The labels are just terrible, but you know, you have to take the emotion out of it and break mm-hmm. it down to the actual <laughs> definition. Yeah. Yes. The reason we even talk about it when I'm in a school, our programs are for male and female and we usually do a mixed gender class Um, a couple of schools split but i do have one program that's just for high school girls called women in media what are you buying and we look at the image of women in videos and music and Mm -hmm. tv and advertisements and what does that say about us and how we feel we should be treated or how we should treat each other um so that's where the feminist conversation even came from that and that's awesome i remember having that talk when in dr brayman's class when we were in college and uh, it, it was it was it was kind of illuminating for me, and so for kids to be getting that before they're in college, the earlier they can get that, the better. Yeah. And so it's awesome y'all do that with uh, younger. It's fascinating kids. to watch people's blinders come off because yeah. you're so desensitized to the imagery we see. It's no big deal until someone calls your attention to it, and then you realize how truly upsetting it is. Some of the advertisements that are out there, even Burger King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. They don't paint a great picture of women. Yeah, I mean, Jonah and I were talking about this. We talk about language all the time in our household and what words mean and, and why we say them. And uh, he was he kind of gets in a t- little these little skirmishes with other kids. And, and you know, back whenever the gay pride parade during Pride Month was going on, parades were going on. Uh, one of his kids came after him and was like, well, there's going to be a straight pride parade. You know, if, we, if there should be a gay pride parade, we should have a straight pride parade. And why can't we? And all this. And John said, well, you can. He said, but the reality is he's like, you know, you don't need one. Because yeah. straight right? people have been so. That's right. right. Say, like, like, that, you're missing pride. the point. That's, right. that's right. <laughs> yeah, the absolutely. point of the parade is the pride comes from, hey, we need this because yeah. we've been kind of stepped on for so long. And, you know, it's so funny how quickly, how easily we miss the point. And it, it kind of gets wrapped up in that word, too. It's like the people who are offended by that. You're like, well, that we're like what Bruce said, it's weighted to one side. We need to rebalance the scale, so that's why we got to do this. You know, <laughs> if you just leave <laughs> the scale alone, it's not going to rebalance. You have to put something on that right. other end to help it balance. Yeah, that out. yeah, yeah. That's important work to uh, do. We live in a tribal time of teams. People love to oh gosh, come yeah. together over a common enemy. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a while back, uh, my wife had posted something on social media, and somebody very close to us was arguing with her about it. You mm. know. And, uh, and they said something derogatory to her. And so I text this person. I said, hey, what, what would make you think you just say that to my wife? You know? Yeah. And he said, well, she seems like she's one of those nasty feminists. Oh, wow. And I said, well, I am too. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I don't know why you think that's a bad word. Yeah. But for him, they just vote different than him. So they can't be good. Right. right. And that's right. the time we're living in. Yeah, it is. That's why it's important, I think, to to honestly getting back to why y'all are all here. I think it's important to have these types of conversations because we're all just ordinary people. You know, I think sometimes for me, uh, there's a misconception that we have to be somebody special or that we have to carry some kind of special title behind our name to do something good and to change the world. But we got to do it in small ways. And we're all just plain people in different categories in life and i think as men uh a lot of most of us will understand that there is a problem but we don't get to see it on a daily basis mm. we, we read about it we hear about it um it's kind of like how, how the me too movement was for me I, I understood that these things took place but then when the me too movement happened it was like wow i did not understand that it was at this large scale mm. and and it was going on all this time and, and so you just you know, it's easy for us to forget about it and kind of put it away, put it in a box and not think about it again. But when, when that was confronted, it was like, 
wow. Yeah. And honestly, even after experiencing it, it was until that became so big and talked about that I thought, oh God, my kid has to live with this too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of, this is the way my life is. And right. People have been jerks and you roll yeah. with it. But that Me Too movement gave me pause for a second and step back and really look at these things that have happened over time critically and realize, God, that really wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and shouldn't stand. No, I know. It's sometimes it takes having somebody close to you be in the category that's being attacked for it to really shake you loose. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that with Jonah all the time because when I hear hateful, I mean, hateful things being said about the gay community, I'm like, dude, you're literally talking about the top tier of the people I love in this world. Like, yeah. you know, where do you think this is going? And the top 2% of all suicides in America right. are yeah. gay kids who grew up yeah. in Christian homes. <laughs> That's yeah. really... So disturbing. out of everyone who kills himself, the top 2% are those. The stakes yeah. are so high. Yeah. Like for, for someone to come and use that kind of words, whether, whether you think you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, sorry, whether you think you're spouting those hateful words in a quote unquote safe place where they won't fall on ears that are hurtful. The stakes are so high that you're not allowed to say stuff like that anymore. Like you're just, you can't, you can't, you need to change your heart. The approach is so misguided because even if deep down in your gut, you believe it's wrong or, and it's your job to inform someone to change them. That's a misguided approach in my opinion. Right. Um, there's a generational disconnect too, and you talk you talk about the way um, women are treated in feminism. <coughs> you know, like for us, that means complete equality across the board. You know, you can do things better than me. You know, you can think through things better than me. I need to admit that. You mm-hmm. know, uh, men have had sex for pleasure their entire lives, and no one's ever said anything about it. Women can do that too if they want to. You know. Yeah. Uh, not saying that that may be the most healthy thing, but, you know, there has to be equality across the board. Yeah. But you talk about the older generation and their idea of respecting a woman was she needs to act like a lady and I need to treat her like a lady. <laughs> yeah. And then whatever that idea of is what a lady is, then you still see that today. Like yeah. they need to look like ladies and act like ladies and we will treat them like ladies. Right. But our generation is like, no, they can do whatever you can do. And sometimes a lot better. So get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It makes me think of an article that I'm about to completely relay <laughs> wrong because it was too long ago. But it was something I read about Catholic school and Catholic school uniforms and kind of where that came from. And, you know, eventually in society where those uniforms became, well, you know, she's a good Christian girl if she dresses like this. And he's a good Christian boy if he dresses like this. But where those rules actually came from had nothing to do with any kind of Christian teaching at all. It had a lot more to do with things that the uh, the board of the school had decided on. Society. But then because it was tied to you know the mass and, and the teaching that was going on in school and you blend these two together as these generations go on, that becomes synonymous with, well, if you're a good Christian boy then you have a short, nice, clean haircut and you wear these clothes and you dress a certain way and you speak a certain way. That's what a good Christian boy does. And a good Christian girl wears her skirt a certain length and her hair is a certain way. And that's what a good Christian girl does. Has nothing to do with that. Those two things get slapped together and all of a sudden we got a Reese's peanut butter cup and nobody remembers, you know, what the original thing was. And really that's happening to this day. I, uh, I graduated, I think I was the last class that didn't have to wear uniforms. 
Uh, so I got to wear my Jinkos and stuff to school. <laughs> yeah. But um, now that I'm shopping for my kids, you go and look. I mean, when they first got uniforms, it was like they had to wear this one thing. They had to look uniform. And now when you go shopping, they have like 20 different styles. They're not even about uniforms anymore. It's about dressing preppy mm. and looking like you're upper class. That's really what uniforms are about now. They're not mm. even uniform. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, how we get things mis we we it, the old story which we probably all heard is, you know, baking the the ham in the pan. You know the story about no. cutting cut the ends cut off. the ends off. You know, we cut. It's like mom and her daughter are cutting <clears throat> cooking a ham, and mm-hmm. so she's like, "Well, we cut the ends off," and she's like, "Well, why do we cut the ends off?" Why? Well, you know, I don't know. Let me go ask my mama. They go to grandma's house. Grandma says, "You know, I don't know. Let's go ask great grandma." And they get to great grandma's house, and she's like, "Well." The pans were smaller whenever I was, you know, <laughs> just m- didn't bacon. Fit in the pan. <laughs> it had nothing wow. to do with anything other than this weird thing that gets carried over, and we right. just <clears throat> propagate that and pass that mess on to the next generation. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a f- picture we use when we do our women in media presentation with our girls, and it's a you see a woman from behind, and there's her skirt, and her on her leg there's hash marks, and each one says prude, goody goody, and all the way up her leg the judgment changes. Mm. And I think that's such an important conversation to have with teenage girls because they're kind of struggling. They're judged whether that skirt is long yeah. or it's short. They're going to get a label and judge for it. And and then derogatory names that they would never call a guy. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Jonah tells me stories about that just from even here in Sulphur. I mean, like now, you know, they walk around with these little strips of wood that are measured a oh, certain yeah. length. And it's such a big deal. And I, I told him, I said, man, this just, just creates... Well, I can get off in the weeds on what it creates, but for me, I go, this is just the strangest little system of control. And one of the folks here that works with me, Nicole, she said something really great about school in general. She said how difficult it is. I never really thought about this, but she said, you know, it's so scary becoming a young adult when you're 16 and 17 and all of a sudden you're going college, my career, my future, what do I need to do? And they're throwing all that at you. She said, her thought always was, I've had to ask you to go pee. I've had to ask you for everything, every decision. And now all of a sudden you're pulling that away and saying, ta-da, now you get to make all your own decisions when I've had to <laughs> like raise my hand to speak right. for all these years. So it's, I never really had considered that before. I was like, yeah. wow, that's a really good, that's an interesting meditation. Oh, it's definitely something I have to work on in my therapy whenever I have teenagers come in. A lot of times parents will have the, the kid might be 14 or 15 and they're not even doing chores yet. They don't know how to do laundry. They don't know how to cook anything. And it's like, you know, in four years, they're probably going to be off on their own. We got to start getting ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that definitely fits in. But, but then you also get into, um, you know, the, the human brain doesn't even finish developing until the later 20s. And we're forcing kids to make these major decisions at the age of 18. Um, and at some point, society's going to have to catch up and, and we're going to have to push that decision making back. Maybe college gets pushed back a couple of years mm. or, or uh, you know, I don't know how they're going to fix it, but uh, yeah, they're just not ready to make those decisions yet. Yeah. Yeah. The machine, the machine doesn't a one size fits all. That's just the truth. It doesn't, doesn't work for everybody the same way. I definitely picked my college major because I didn't want to take any more Spanish. <laughs> and nursing, nice. which should require Spanish, didn't require it. And architecture mm. did require Spanish. So I, 
And I thought, 18 year old shouldn't be allowed to choose. Ah, shouldn't make a life that decision based on a Spanish I scrolled requirement. down the list and said, what's the least amount of college that I need <laughs> for a degree? I, I was a tuba performance major. At some point, <laughs> at some point in there, that, that might be where y'all first recognized me was as one of the Allstate tuba players in the Daily <laughs> of 2001. That's why you look familiar. That's it. I knew it. And uh, yeah, at some point I realized there wasn't a lot of tuba jobs out there. <laughs> so I switched to music education. I was actually a band director for two years at Sulphur High School's ninth grade campus, and then I didn't like it. So yeah, so it, it took me about 21, 22 till I decided I didn't like the path I was heading in. Mm. Yeah, I switched. I mean, I think we need to be okay with that, especially in this world today with so many options and opportunities. I mean, a long time ago, you know, you go, oh well, you live in Sulphur, you're going to work in Sulphur Mines. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. was kind of what you had, you know. But there's so much going on. You have so many paths. I mean, people don't stick around and go really anywhere they want and do whatever they want. Yeah. So yeah, finding it's I ask my son that all the time. Even last night we were laying in his room chatting about the day and I was like, man, you're almost 18. He's like, dad, I'm 16. I'm like, yeah, I know you're almost 18. You really are almost 18. And he's like, Hey, I'm not moving out. Like, you know, I don't think I'm 18 and I'm leaving. He's got it. He's like, I'm going to, awesome. I'm going to figure this out. He doesn't want to rush into to a decision. And I, I honestly applaud that. He was even saying, I just want to take some time to do it right. I don't want to jump off a cliff and go, Hey, see yeah. you later. Hope it works out. Come when, get, come get me yeah. later. And they can't even make up. it. They can't even make it. I see these kids and they have jobs and they can't even afford their car insurance Yeah, because it's ridiculously priced mm -hmm. yeah you know they can't they don't even trust the kids to drive let alone move out but they expect them to move out and yeah. be on their own that's insane sure <laughs> i mean i i see that well no it's okay i mean i just something that makes me think of that is a lot of times you see people pair up out of survival mm -hmm. you know and it's, right. you know, it's maybe not even the healthiest relationship <clears throat> that you could be in mm -hmm. for you but you pair up out of survival because you're like well i kind of need Gotta gotta have two incomes to make it, and yep. one person alone can't afford. Especially now in our area, it's very difficult for one person on a meager salary or minimum wage to go find and start a life. Right. So they pair up, and that pairing doesn't work out. Well, how do you pull that apart? Right. You know, you're entangled, and, and it may not be healthy. It's very difficult. Even even with roommates, I don't even know how I would make it as a young adult now I, without a roommate. You'd have to have a roommate yeah, sure. just to afford uh, the apartments in the area. Yeah, it's difficult. Youth have a lot to face. Man, this is wild how these conversations go. We started out. Carrie, <laughs> see, this is what I love about the mixtape. <laughs> you were, were going to say something, though, and I derailed you. Oh, it, it's slightly off topic now. Um, my husband, Michael, and I have talked at length about how when you're in growing up, if you're good in science and math and you're a smart kid, then you're going to go to med school. Mm. And if you're good in history and English and you're smart and you want a good career, then you're going to be an attorney. And that when we were growing up, it seemed like those were your two choices mm. Mm. Right. for the, if that was what your strength was, that was where you were headed. Um, and he took the MCAT and did all the pre-med requirements and the last, sent in his application at the last minute decided this isn't what I want. Mm. And he's a real estate developer, but like what teenager knows that that's a career <laughs> right, path, like right, that's an right. option. You only know about these really um, obvious traditional roles and there's so much more out there that you don't know that's a job. Mm, yeah. yeah. I've kind of experienced that. I mean, not to get too far off into big, long history, but I mean, I, I wanted to be in education and I, I had this idea that I wanted to be an art teacher. I loved art. I was good at art. I thought I'd be an art teacher, but I had so many voices in my life saying, oh, you're never, you know, you're never going to have a good salary. You're not going to make it. You know, even educators were telling me that in college. And so I shifted out of education into advertising because advertising is where the big bucks at. Well, obviously you see how big my office is. It's not where the big bucks are at. <laughs> if you're going to live here, it's right. for me, it hasn't been where the big bucks are at. 
and so when you do it took me longer to kind of go man this this stream i'm in this trajectory this raft i'm on i'm not 100 percent sure this is my raft right but it's too and everybody says you can change your life anytime i don't buy that 100 percent. well you can evolve it yeah that's exactly where i was going i was like well okay i can't change it but i can redirect what Mm -hmm. i have been on okay so i've been on this raft you're sitting at my redirection to be Mm -hmm. quite honest with you i mean this is me redirecting the resources and going okay i'm on this raft but we can do something different with it i can't necessarily just jump out of this river i don't have the strength alone to paddle to the shore and just build a new camp too many people on your boat depending on you too (laughs) right once you're in it but i can I can I can use it differently the the right. energy of the water if that makes any sense. Yeah, I didn't even think straight when I was nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? I couldn't decide between starting a punk rock band or being a professional boxer or a detective. So oh wow yeah. So I became a pastor. There, there you go. go. <laughs> just, just, just do all, all three. Yeah. yeah, I love that. <laughs> You're right. I mean, what do we, we? All the dreams we have. I mean, sooner or later, it starts to solidify and become something. You yeah, know, that's very true. I mean, I, whenever I have the opportunity to talk to our older dancers about you know college and things like that, it's it, you know I always try to tell them that find something now that you can evolve later because you know you just don't know. I mean, I went to school to be a nurse I mm-hmm. didn't I couldn't even make it 18 months because I hate I did not want to do that but I chose the quickest thing because I needed to go to college I had a scholarship I had tops I'd lose mm-hmm. it if I didn't take if you take a break you lose it mm-hmm. you know so it was like okay well I got you know $25,000 in scholarships full paid for tops you got to go to college All right yeah. well, well I'll do this it's only 18 months I couldn't even make it <laughs> because it's not what I wanted to do. And at the same know? time, when you're getting married, when you're having kids, right. when you're giving us grandkids. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, how hard is it to change after you've been on a path for a while? And then other fo- and you start to go, hey, I need I need to make mm-hmm. a shift. I need time for me to change. You feel it. It's like critically happening inside of you. And then everybody outside of you may not be ready for that change to happen. <laughs> yeah. How hard is it to change <laughs> yeah. then? Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm having a critical it, shift. Hey, it's crazy. I'm 43, on? and I feel like I haven't even started. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I just feel optimistic. You know, I'm like, I'm going to do something different. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what I will. I'm going to be a famous YouTuber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tuba? Post those tuba videos. That's a you tuba. That's a, oh, my. Oh, my. I can just drop the O. <laughs> be my punk rock yeah. band. <laughs> <laughs> Who's ready to yeah. be the next victim? Now that since we broke the order that I picked, let's just go around the table. Amanda, birthday's next. Oh. You're next. Let's just go in the order. <laughs> We're just gonna go in a circle. I'm very right. nervous. Don't be nervous. Okay. okay. Next st- next step though of this podcast is I'm gonna need you to set up a little camera, and then when you're recording podcasts, let people <laughs> see the video. Oh version. yeah. Yeah. The reactions. Yeah. Because uh, people want to see people's faces. Yeah. I had a few people. Oh, do you know why we don't do video, right? For quoi? Because I got, I got camera. Oh, that's anxiety. true. You told me that. I mean, okay. like, I, we wouldn't even be talking. Right. right okay. Now. Never if there mind. was a camera in here, I, I would be like, oh god. Okay. It's Amanda. I don't. <laughs> it's Amanda. Oh, yell it. It was the it was the gender thing. I, got I want to hear later. You can't do anything like that. I want to hear later Bruce. why you're Charlie. Change it. Okay. No, no. Why yeah. you're not Amanda? Yell it. All right. I'm very curious. Can we know well. now? People want to know. The people want to know. Yeah. yeah let's if hear I want to know, people want to know. Well, um, well, it started off as Amanda because um, whenever I was younger, that's what, I mean, I don't know, stupid jokes, you know, like yeah, yeah Amanda. I'm Amanda. Yeah. You know, I'm a man. You can't, you know, gender equality. 
right. <laughs> I was like, well, I am a man, duh. And then whenever um, I met Roger, he had a friend in Texas. Well, we have a friend in Texas, and he that's what he would call me, a man, duh. There's uh, a man, duh, coming, <laughs> you know. And so I was like, well, so that was my Facebook name. But then um, somebody turned me in for having a false name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who, but the, the only person I can think of is they were sending – they were sending me messages and friend requests, and so whenever I started inquiring about how I knew them, um, they, I, I, and then I was following them, and so um, then I sent them a, a very kind message, and if any of you have gotten a message from me, you know how intimate it can be, and so whenever you're a lady and you receive a message from me that I could be a man, it, these intimate type of messages are very off, can be off-putting, but I don't really ever realize that, and so then finally this lady, she was like, are you a, are you a guy or not? And I was like, oh, no. I said, oh, I'm a lady, you know, and she said, well, uh, you should change your name because that's confusing. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to do that, but thank you, <laughs> you know. And then, uh, like, a couple of days later, I got yeah. a thing that was like, you need to turn in some mail or something with your name on. I was like, well, fine. Well, my other name on Facebook it was Charlie Sue because I just, I don't ever want um, a real, uh, if you go to my Facebook page, you might know what I do for a living. You might not. I like it better whenever people don't. Only if you know me do you know what I do for a living. And I like that because it's not plastered all over mm. my Facebook page. So, um, you know, in an effort to kind of keep people at bay, you know, it's, it's harder for me to be followed or found, which I'm not embarrassed of anything that's there. It's just I don't need people, you know, typing in my name and trying to find out who so I am. So for privacy reasons, yeah. you're Charlie Sue now. I mean, it, well, privacy, it's not, so, yeah, it's not fine. privacy anymore because everyone knows. Right. I mean, and everybody know. does know. It's just, yeah. you know, when you're when you're scrolling, you just might not say, oh, that's that's Amanda, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just silly. Makes my Sad job. Made, makes just my job. Fun. When I'm trying to tag people, I'm like, okay. So sorry. Hang on. Amanda is her name. And did I go and I Yeah, go, I did not want to change it to, to Charlie Sue, but that was my other name. So it was easier yeah. to, to, you know, for them to accept that. Facebook, the mine powers was, that be. Mine was the other way. I kind of knew Charlie from uh, the group being in news. Oh, right. Kind of in the group in there. Oh, and so whenever okay. I was going back to look at her podcast, it was like, there's no Charlie here. Like, who the heck is Charlie? <laughs> Where's Charlie at? And then I think at some point in time, something came up that said Amanda. And I was like, yeah. oh. <laughs> and I like it because it, it brings about more um, authentic conversation because you don't, it, the name is not associated with the with the person. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I can be these two, like, even though he refused to name my episode with Amanda, <laughs> Absolutely refuse. <laughs> but you know, now it's kinda like, well, you know, only if you I don't I don't want people to say if you only know me as Charlie on the internet, I don't want you to go and look for me as Charlie because then you you know, you I don't know, you know. Yeah. It's weird. You're just having fun with it. I guess, yeah. I mean, that's what it seems yeah. like to me. It's like fun and whimsy. Because you don't need to. And it yeah. should be You're totally not into up stalkers. You. Yeah. Is that where we're trying to get at? We're not, you're not into people <laughs> I've never had a stalker you. before. I, I'm I like don't... a virtual stalker. I do that frequently. I virtually oh, stalk people yeah, frequently. Yeah, I mean, I stalk everybody, and I mean, I send out, like, crazy messages that are very long, but, you know. <laughs> You're a good fan, though. You're uh, yeah. good. I think you're that's an engaged. What I call, I tell people, that's why I'm here. you're an engaged listener. <laughs> I mean, like that's I what love it. 
we have conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do about about the show. I mean, that's the whole point. You don't want people to go, don't talk to me about that after. I mean, I like that. You yeah. you message me sometimes all the time. I get, yeah, I do. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, no, but some of that, sometimes when I have time, I try to, we do, we mm. talk back and yeah. forth about yeah. it. It's, it's fun. I cool. like it. I mean, it's a show about conversation. So, I mean. I'll know. talk to anybody that'll listen. <laughs> well, let's see what you said in your episode. <laughs> oh, Speaking oh. of. We were talking about the human design, uh, you know, the books. And so yeah. that's like a birth chart and every single design is completely different, you know, and there's different systems, there's different chakras, there's different gates that are open in these and some are closed and some can only be open if you're with someone who has an open gate, you know, so all of these things make a difference. It's not just you know, I am this person and you should, you know, we all should be like this, but no, we all have a purpose. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, (laughs) you know, everybody has a purpose. Even if, to be honest, I mean, it sounds terrible, but even if that person is to be so vain that someone else realizes that they, they don't want to be that vain, that person's job is done Mm. and that's it. Yeah. That's their job. Yeah. And we have to love them for that, for who they are. Yeah. Because they've completed their mission. Their mission was to be so vain that hundreds of other people saw that that's not how they want to live their life. Well, I hope Mike's going to listen to this because I imagine that that would be the part that you took about the human design. Oh, oh yeah? Cool. Interesting. I was actually thinking about okay. that. Okay, wow. Last night. So, um, now I I'm supposed t- to talk. Well, you don't <laughs> have to talk. Does anybody have any thoughts about what you said? I feel I mean? better about President Trump now. Now that you said that. Really? I feel great about it now. Like, maybe his purpose is for us to realize <laughs> all the junk we shouldn't it's Interesting. Do. We had a similar conversation about that. <laughs> I played this for my team. And I was like, you know, these are the p- things I've selected. And, uh... We ended up talking about the president based on that, too. And we had a similar a similar conversation. One thing that popped out to me, I'm going to talk about the Tao Te Ching. I talk about it in every episode. But this one verse that has always stuck out to me, even when I was a young person, I was like, this is an interesting thing to meditate on. And it says, what is a good man but a madman's mm-hmm. teacher? What is a bad man wow. but a good man's job? Mm-hmm. And I remember where I was at when I read it. I was riding in my, my truck. My dad was driving. We were driving through New Mexico on our way to Colorado. Open. You know, it was nothing to look at. And I remember reading that Brent line and closing it. And I was like, I really got to think about this. It's it reframed beautiful. a lot of things, man. Yeah. Repeat that. that. Repeat that a little bit slower. What is a good man but a bad man's teacher? Yeah. And what is a bad man but a good man's job? And it just God. dives into what you said. Mm, I mean, yeah. it's easy to demonize people and go, man, because right. I, I don't like the man. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't talk about politics <laughs> yeah. too often. Don't like. Right. People yeah, his, ask me all the time. His purpose is for us to say, hey, kids, don't act like that. Don't act like Don't that. act like the president. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great foil. I mean, you know, it's a good, it's a great example to go, hmm, I don't, there's so many things that when I get into these conversations about that person particularly, uh, it's like the, the sources grows. Sources, sources. And I go, look, I don't even have to give you sources. Yeah. <laughs> My reasons, most of them on the front end have nothing to do with sources, things mm-hmm. that you're going to find Absolutely. in articles. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like his demeanor. I don't like his look. I don't like the way he engages with people. I don't like his posture. I don't like the way he talks to women. I don't like the way he talks to women. I mean, we haven't even got into the the stuff where I'd have to go get some sources. I just don't really care for the person. If he were a TV character, he would 
He is. Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> he would dwarf Queen Cersei. He would dwarf Queen King Joffrey. He would be the greatest TV character yeah. of all time. Yeah. But he's not a TV character. Right. right. It's a real person. Those are Game of Thrones references for anyone who doesn't Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Because oh, I did chart. not know. <laughs> I, I did my, is it called Anagram? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Anagram. Let's yeah. share. I did that oh, boy. This, this week for the first Wait, time. Wait, hold up your number. Just a sec. Five with a wing of two. I'm a four. You don't I have know. no idea what's I going on. What, One yeah, all the way. Okay, happened. it's similar to Myers-Briggs. No, no, no. <laughs> so it's similar to Myers-Briggs, and then like it's a personality type thing, but it's a million times better and more accurate. Have you have you done I it? I did it, and I forgot what my numbers were. Okay, then you're a five. There, Jeez, I hope there's I'm a two four. tests out there on the second one, I scored a one. I'm a reformer. Yeah. <laughs> but on the most uh, uh, comprehensive one, I did a five with a wing of two. But that helped me understand other people is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It goes back mm-hmm. to that. The like, whole realizing is what theirs is. Understand other people's motivation. So right. I'm a one. We're doers, task-oriented. We walk in a room and see the problem and let's fix it. Whereas yeah. other people perceive us as being negative and pushy. Mm. I'm not trying to be ugly. I, let's fix it. Is anybody a two here? Yeah, you're. I have almost a two. What's that? Two. One of my best friends is a two, is a helper. You a helper. like help, help. What's yeah. a three? Just love, love, no, no. love. I'm not a three, I don't remember. I'm a, a four. four. I'm a four. a four. And a four thinks that they're like the most unique person. No one is like a four. <laughs> Seriously. Like whenever a four meets somebody else who says they're a four, they're like, mm, Maybe doubt it. Not. <laughs> I you still know? feel like this is a cult. It, a little bit. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. very like popular. A, a lot yeah. of people talk in, about this. Well, I'm into all those kind of things. We do, like, in my episode, we talked about the four tendencies, the, you know, questioner, upholder, and blah, 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 because you can, generally, with those four tendencies, you can say one thing four different ways. You can say, this is what we're going to do. That's the person who just doesn't have a problem doing anything. And then you're going to say, I need you to do this. So then you're getting into that person who's going to uphold their end of the, they're the obliger, so they're obliging you. So you say, this is what we're doing i need you to do this this is why we're doing it and if you don't want to do it that's okay but then there's repercussions so Mm. then you've hit the you know obliger the rebel the questioner the you know so i I like that kind of stuff because it helps you be able to not for you to understand yourself better but for you to be able to communicate with others better Mm. because sometimes people ask me for um how to say things to certain people if they're trying to text a message or something like that and they're like well you know how do i how do we I said, well, it depends on what you want. If you want to get your point across, then be you and be as blunt as you want to be. If not, then say it a different way. If you would like to elicit the most response, that's what I'm trying to do in my job. I'm trying to get the most people to pay attention and understand at one time. Then I'm going to say it this way because Uh I want to touch on the one thing that's inside everybody that makes them understand. So now I have another test. Yeah, Yeah. It's really fascinating. And it was interesting learning about my mom, who's a two. needs to be needed Mm -hmm. and for a two they feel like the people who love them intuitively should know what they need right Uh i'm a one i need clear-cut expectations and then i will rise to the occasion yeah and failure is not an option but i don't intuitively know what you need and so we butt heads sometimes about this and it was it was just nice seeing it from uh, understanding her motivation better and then my husband who's a five um how many numbers are there nine 
Oh, well, I must be a four because I was like, oh, yeah, four, that's done. I but do then, remember when I took it, I had two numbers. Like you said that about yeah. like a wing of it. Yeah, I remember it's like seeing modifiers that, to this even... thing. Like... It's like you're strongly this, but if, if yeah. we had to go a different way, uh, that would be your wing. And yeah. then once you get your typing, you can go on the website and put you and your spouse or your right. significant other together. And it shows yeah. you your strengths as a couple and your weaknesses as a couple. And I thought, no, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, it, yeah, I do that us. a lot in therapy. Right. If I'm working with kids, I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. the kid. I'm trying to figure out the parent. And then I help them on the communication and being able to understand each other. and Things like that yeah. are so fascinating. But as long as we don't stop with our number, well, this is what I am and this is what I need. No, right. it's like, okay, well, now I know me. Now I know you. Let's get together on common ground. The yeah. tests are dependent on how honest you are. <laughs> and so you have to answer questions on not how you want to be, but how you really are. How you actually that's, are. That's difficult. Yeah. And I'm a little bit against assessments. Uh, ooh, the, my psychology community is going to give me. They don't, they don't, <laughs> the major assessments that we do don't measure what we think they measure or what they mm-hmm. say. They just cost a lot of money and make people a lot of money. Now this one's kind of for fun, but um, I've noticed that people change. You know, it, that's right. you're very dependent on who's in your life, mm-hmm. what you're being neglected with and what you're, uh, mm-hmm. what you're getting. And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so you, you could uh, have a number, and then, of course, I don't know this one, so I'm just yeah. talking. But <laughs> Well, I mean, those types of yeah. things are good, even like counseling. I mean, getting into that, yeah. the, the benefit to talking things out or taking tests is, uh, for, for me, it's always been to reveal something that I maybe didn't see before. You know, because it's easy, we were talking about that river, it's easy to get in that river and go, oh, I know who I am, I know mm-hmm. what I'm all about, and just you have this... My for me, I call it my ego. My ego forms an identity that is very, very set in stone and very shaped. And then all of a sudden, this new piece of information comes along, whether it's through counseling, a conversation, a memory that gets restimulated, or a test. And then you go, "Hmm, I've never scratched this before." Right. About myself, and then you start to go, "Oh wow, this explains all these other things that I do." breaks down some of that ego identity i love your segment about what you said my wife and i talk about that a lot about our energy Mm -hmm. and how certain people the energy that you get from them is you know off-putting yeah and then Mm. some people just give you chills they're so peaceful yeah your wife is like that our energy doesn't die yeah Mm. your wife is a when you're around your wife she's a calming energy (laughs) she has a calming presence yes i want to just hug her yeah, I've even noticed. I'll, I'll give you an example of that that very thing. Yeah, I mean, she's been uh, raising Jonah with me since he was two, so his memories are all of her. Right. But I've noticed as he gets older, when he has something he wants to talk about, he doesn't come to me first. He goes to her <laughs> because he knows what her energy is like. Her energy, he can tell her most anything without yeah. a hot response, not an angry response, but just a it's a palatable platform space. I'm more hot and I'm, and it's not, I don't mean negative when I no. say hot and cold, but yeah. I have more hot responses. It's Emotions, like, yeah. Hey, dad, I'm going to tell you a story. Oh, okay. And then we're engaged. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. We're, we're trucking along. We're on a train. Me yeah. and, him. And, and he knows that. We have two different types of energies. Yeah. You know, it's pretty interesting. <clears throat> I, I was talking about this maybe even on one of our B-side episodes mm-hmm. that the Patreons can get. It's a secret podcast only for Patreons. How can uh, you want to know what they're really thinking? What we're really thinking uh, <laughs> producing the show. But, uh, you know, when you talked about those energy channels, I'm reading a really good book right now that's about a specific type of prayer. And I keep talking about it because I'm really into it right now. I've been doing it for about a year. And it's Tong Lin, and it's called Sending and Receiving. And so in that form of prayer, not to beat a dead horse because I've talked about it a lot, but you, you essentially imagine yourself 
in your in all the flaws that you have, all the things that you suffer with, your your anxieties, whatever they may be, fears, and you imagine yourself sitting across from yourself in that form, mm-hmm. and then you breathe in the energy of that of your worst self into your heart and it looks you imagine it's like a dark smoke or something like that you're taking off of yourself and then you breathe it into your heart and then your heart becomes sort of like a transformation chamber that's the best way i would describe it where all that stuff gets turned into light and then you breathe that light back out to yourself who you still see sitting across from yourself and um that that version of yourself begins to be healed and bring that Mm -hmm. light in and you just keep this process going to you sort of heal some of your wounds and as you get comfortable doing that with yourself which i have a problem loving myself so it's a great exercise you begin to do that for other people in your life wow right so the getting into the channels and things like that it Mm -hmm. talks a lot about the channels and opening them in that particular form of prayer you're trying to open your heart channel your Mm -hmm. your heart chakra and bring that right into your uh they call it the subtle body which is made up of you know these channels and then the air moving within your body Mm -hmm. and so you're trying to bring it into yourself and in this book what was really fascinating to me was when they would interview people these tibetan monks and these western practitioners they would the tibetan monks thought it was funny because they would wire these things up to their heads to measure their brain waves when they were doing this prayer and they would laugh and giggle and they were like why is this on our heads and they were like well i don't that's not where my mind is oh how cool they, they had always believed that yeah. they lived here this is where their mind right. was and i was like this is so fascinating to me wow. and it gets into what this energy and sharing vibrations and yeah i mean you can feel it when you're when you're vibing with somebody yeah you know and it's all you know it's you can call it what you want to call it but it's all the same thing and and it and it you know all the chakra centers and everywheres that they branch out to and like the human design in specific it talks about you know your different sources so your spleen and your kidneys and you know all the things that function in your body so even your chakras and your gates they're all leading to something specific something that's going to excrete a certain hormone or you know some type of a chemical that's going to make these things either line up or become out of whack that's why we have to balance our you know chakras you're balancing your hormones you're balancing the you know things you're taking in and out and the way that um certain emotions have you know effects somebody said something on the the other day about gallbladder she's having gallbladder problem well she hasn't been eating that well i'm like well don't beat yourself up over the diet it's not the diet may have an effect a small effect but it's more of the fact that you feel guilty about your diet that's making your gallbladder Mm. freak out yeah you know so just be kind to yourself and don't worry about the food that's a rejoice that's a thing that comes along with your new life that you've got an opportunity to have so you got to enjoy it you know so if someone's listening to you and this is not like this is not a topic that they have ever um been presented with the chakras and all that what would be a resource that you would suggest to them to understand Um, better what you're trying to say i i don't really know i don't have a i'm kind of like you i I try to stay very naive to things because um i don't want to uh i don't want to be a resource person i don't want to have to say go but i will say there's one book it's uh um if you're looking for something that's like i'm hurting here 
what emotion could be linked. It's a very small book. It's a Ina, Ina Seagal, Ina Seagal, and uh, it's got a big index, and you say, okay, I'm, my my bunion's hurting me today. You know, you go to the back, you look up bunion or feet, and then you flip to the section. It's like, well, these are the emotions that you that may be causing some tension or stress in your feet, or your lower back is, you know, associated with guilt or things like that. So then once you become aware of the emotion that's, you know, triggering that, then, you know, you, and it's all just physical. It, it really is like your lower back. So if you're having an argument with someone, then your lower back may be tense. Well, it's because you're tensing up those muscles, which is making your psoas contract and, you know, all these well, things. And Yeah, and the interesting thing about it is that science is starting to back it up. Right. And so in the past, they didn't have our science, but they were better observers than mm -hmm. us. And so, uh, I mean, you can even look at the, the author of Peter Pan. Um, to fly, you have to think of a happy thought. Right. Yeah. And so when I'm teaching kids think of your happy thoughts it's literally releasing a dopamine release which makes you feel like you can fly um, so we're learning now we I, I use a lot of dialectical behavioral therapy and it, it uses a lot of uh, relaxing your muscles power poses mm -hmm. things like right. that to to uh, change the chemicals right. that are getting released in your brain mm -hmm. and this is the stuff that the Tibetan monks were doing and so they didn't know the science behind it but they were able to observe right. that when they did these things they felt better and so it's just interesting because western civilization was kind of like oh that stuff stupid right yeah. and now that the science is starting to prove it it's like Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting conversation. I'm listening to y'all talk, and what this starts out as is uh, I'm, I'm always looking for nodes and connectors, you know, and we're talking in the beginning about balances and things being weighted on one side and how we have to move to the other <laughs> side. We're sitting here talking about all this beautiful stuff, but what it is we started out talking about was this person that was so vain <laughs> that maybe a hundred people would do better. And now we're having, we, we've moved, we moved way past it into, okay, now we're talking about how can we talk about something more positive and better yeah. and sharing this great information. Which is good because I'm so, a positive patty. Well, I mean, it made me think of even Tibet. I mean, I, I, I have been following that since I was a young man and it, it, it hurts my heart what those people have been through and it's a true human tragedy on the surface, but at the same time, without that tragedy, that country's wisdom wouldn't get poured out right. to every country on the planet. I mean, now there are American, you know, Rinpoches and llamas that wouldn't exist without that tragedy. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, it, it proves that it goes back into, we have the tragedy, but yet we have the blessing too. It's just these sort of teeter-tottering between these two extremes. Mm -hmm. Suffering gives birth to creativity. Absolutely. Mm. It, it's, it's almost like that. The Bible verse from Jesus that says it's easier to enter into, for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than to uh, rich man enter in heaven um, and it, it's a kind of the same thing for happiness um, and so you, you work with somebody that has everything they're used to having everything and, and there's not a whole lot you can do with them because they just have this kind of melancholy about them there's, there's mm -hmm. not a lot of empowerment um, mm -hmm. and, and you know where it's somebody who, who grew up with little it's a lot easier to find happiness for them to help them find that 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 inner peace mm. yeah it makes sense continuing ed conference in May um, put on by Harvard. It's a really good research. And they were talking about your patients who are experiencing depression. One of the best things to do for them is encourage them to volunteer. Mm. Yeah. Because in giving back, Absolutely. it helps you feel better. Yeah. In that, so many different ways. It highlights a, the good in your life. That's a legitimate work, study. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic. Oh, because and, you're operating yeah. more out of like what you were created to do. We were created right. to volunteer and to do and Lift to help. Lift other people up. Yeah. And, and whenever purpose. you're not, you're not operating 
in that space. You're not operating how we were created by the maker, what we were mm-hmm. created to do. And I think it helps turn, rather than look in on yourself and just focus yeah. on those, you can turn it out. And mm. I don't know. One of the first jobs I had in the psychology field was at uh, Volunteers of America, which is a great nonprofit organization. They do a lot in the community. And we would work with the lower income mentally ill. There'd be a lot of homeless populations, schizophrenia. Uh, um, and so we'd get them hooked up with housing. Uh, we'd get them hooked up with medication, doctors, counselors, all kinds of stuff. But the biggest growth that I would see is a few of the people, would uh, we would get them into volunteering or into jobs. And that was when I would see the biggest growth over doctors, over medicine, over counseling, over housing. Um, just that going out and volunteering and working was able to give them that yeah. growth. I tell our gathering all the time, I said, y'all can hear me say things and teach things that will help you. I said, but if you want your life to change, come feed the homeless yeah. with this. Mm-hmm. Show up and volunteer. And You're th- right. It happens. It, their life changes. When I went mm-hmm. to do y'all's episode, where I got to spend the day with the folks doing y'all's food pantry, I, I came back here. I mean, I, honestly, I was like it woke little chambers up in my heart that sometimes fall asleep because what I saw was joy on everybody's face. Everybody was happy serving and there it was just friendliness and kindness all day long in and this work yeah it worked <laughs> and there was person after person after person that if you let your empathy open up and really feel or even imagine their stories you're going these are hard stories that i don't even my life's not like this these are people who are really struggling this is hope right now this line that they're standing in to get this food and you're looking at that, and I mean, God, I cried six times that day. I had to turn my camera off and just sit down because I couldn't get my emotions together, collect myself, go back and film some more. And I just kept seeing joy, joy, joy over and over. And I was like, look at this. This is it's pretty special what this volunteering is doing for these people who are showing up to do this. Amanda, my neurologist, uh, I have multiple sclerosis. She's from Houston. She, brilliant, by the way. Uh, she told me, she said, not taking your medicine won't put you in the hospital. Hmm. She said, the way you think and your stress will. Mm. Mm-hmm. She said, this, right. this is why you have it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it does take a while. I mean, you know, I'm not saying like ditch your medicine, but, you know, it, it's all it, it's all interconnected. And whenever, like the gates, you know, to find other people, if you do your own human design, which is basically like a horoscope, it takes your time of birth, your area of birth, your name, because even the vibrations in each of the letters creates who you are. You know, whenever you're Amanda, whenever you're being said that, you know, told that over and over again, it it creates something in you differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to find someone else with something that can heal you, Mm -hmm. you know, gates that they have open that you may have shut, then we can become part of the whole that we're supposed to be you know? yeah well i mean it makes me this the balancing of things between uh again talking about getting all those things in alignment i mean it takes everything it makes me think of that that buddhist story where he was trying to achieve enlightenment and he was doing all this stuff you know that everybody was telling him to do and so he was like i'm gonna right. fast you know and he sits under this he's sitting there and he's starving to death i mean he was gonna die he really was gonna die and then somebody offers him a bowl of rice and he, he rejects it no i'm fasting i'm gonna achieve this spiritual place and when the bowl gets put in the water it gets caught in the middle of the stream the eddies and it sits there swirling and that's when he realized oh i'm, I'm going about this all wrong I'm, i need to find the balance between all these mm-hmm. things i need to do what's in the middle and that changed everything, mm-hmm. was beginning to understand that it's not one extreme or the other and living in one world or the other. You know, well, I do that. I mean, I'm guilty of it with my health or with, 
anything mm-hmm. feeding myself too much of one type of thing mm-hmm. thinking i'm going to do this for the rest of my life this is my path and then your path just starts to falls away and you're yeah. like what happened i was doing the thing mm-hmm. yeah. you know and you get conditioned to uh release certain chemicals when you're in certain right. stimulus uh and so i think a lot of us get conditioned to release negative chemicals whenever we're thinking of math or having to do math right and so one of the things i've been working on with one of the soapboxes along with my kids that i'm counseling lately because bad grades are starting to come in is starting to try to pump them up as they're going to do homework so trying to get to where they walk into the room like they're a boxer mm. they got the yeah. boom box on the <laughs> robot and they're mm-hmm. ready to kick some butt mm-hmm. and stuff and uh it, it's showing positive results there they're doing much better in their homework I'm gonna their try that. brains yeah. ready yeah. to yeah. Uh, study yeah. wow that's we teach interesting our, yeah we teach our kids um power posing we'll have a junior cotillion starting this friday and that's the first thing we teach them because mm-hmm. we have 100 kids in the room you only have an hour with them so you have to get the most bang for your buck and so while we're there to teach them some dancing you know the first thing we teach them is posture to how to line up their you know feet over their knees over their hips over their you know heart and shoulders and head and then we teach them how mm-hmm. to power pose you know because those are the things that are important. <laughs> my daughter's spiraling out when she's upset over homework. She get, she rolls her little eyes at me. I'm like, get up and do a downward dog. <laughs> I don't have time. I have homework. I just get up and do a downward dog for a second. Yeah. And she'll do it, and she sits back in her seat, and she looks at me like, oh, you're an imbecile. Yeah. But she feels better, and you can see that mm-hmm. calm come over. You need to, Yeah. <clears throat> you can't accomplish anything when mm-hmm. you're frustrated or upset. It's Nothing good is going to come of that. Yeah, at school, it is sit down in your desk for eight right. hours and let's oh, do gosh. some work and let's yeah. take PE out of the equation. And, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. scary. It that is. was very good. We like really got a lot. I love where that conversation went. I didn't expect it to the way it started. It's beautiful. Good. I'm glad that's, it changed. That's what I love about this show. You just never know. But you know whose turn it is? Bum, bum, bum. Diana. All right. I'm nervous. I hadn't done the equation that I was the next person in the chair. Here we go. And the truth is that the ocean that exists between someone who is a non-believer or who has experienced great hurt in their life and someone who's saying, here's the rule book, is so wide, it's uncrossable. And there are some of us who are called to make that ocean crossable and the way you make the ocean crossable is not by handing rule books and um being shiny like i like to say you have to be real and you have to be like the truth for me is and will always be that when i am elbow deep in a sink full of dishes the thought what if there is no god will hit me on the side of the head out of nowhere Mm. that will always be the truth for me me and god have an agreement like i'm gonna keep showing up even though like this crazy thing happened god like i'm gonna show up anyway yeah and when when people who are on the other side of of unbelief when people are unbelieving and they hear that story there's a part of them that says huh Maybe I could be a believer then yeah. if she's not unwavering in her faith. Mm. When people that are on the other other end hear all of these rules and all of these this is this is God, this is faith, this is truth, they look across the ocean and say, Oh, that's what that is? I'm not that. I can never be that. Right. What's the point of even trying? 
I mean. So <laughs> that got me. Can't believe I said that. I mean, that. it's getting That's me beautiful. again. It was very no, good. It wasn't me. Very. Yeah, a that download. one hit me when I was listening to it again. I was like, man, this is this is right where I want to be. I mean, I I just, it just, you know. Yeah. You're going to make me and Tony fall, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> reminded me of that passage where uh the Jesus asked the guy, do you believe? He said, I do. Help me with my unbelief. Yeah. He said, I do believe. I just need some help. You yeah. Know? yeah. And most people are there. You know? Yeah. I need some help. But they've been given this certain picture of if you can't do this, 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 and this, or you doesn't mm-hmm. look like, then you can't be on our team, or yeah. you don't have it yet, or you need to try harder. Mm-hmm. And we tell our LGBT members all the time, you know, I said, well, you've been told that you can't be this and have faith. That's true. That's not true. That it's been stolen. So reclaim your faith. You know, come out as who you are, but come out as someone who believes too. If that's if that's a part of your story, yeah. And 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 don't let them steal that from you. It doesn't have to look like that. It can look like how it is in your life. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I have a hard time with uh, shut doors when it comes to conversations about God. Um, I don't see I in in no place in my life and in my experience which is just one human being with one set of eyes I every time I have ever experienced something that felt like the love or mercy of what I have come to call or, or understand as God it felt like something pouring out mm. or in but it never felt like a wall it never felt like a door. It never felt like anything that shut that was just for me. It always felt like abundance that was meant to be given away once I got it. And so when I have sensed something or language that was exclusive or for one gender or the other or one people or the other, I am repulsed. Yeah. Not not repulsed as in I hate it. Mm-hmm. Repulsed like a magnet. Mm-hmm. I begin to not feel what I have come to perceive as the presence of the divine. You know, mm-hmm. well, yes. one of the themes of the overall narrative of the scripture, which it's not a basic instructions before leaving earth. It's not a rule book. It's right. it's just a narrative. It's a novel. Is what it is. Right. One of the major themes of that is when it comes to people or rules or religion. God always chose people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if this was the line of being religiously taboo, he Jesus stepped over it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so I tell people, I said, you've been told that you don't have faith or belief because you can't look like this. That's not true. Yeah. You know, and the Christianity and belief and that's a wide stream. And the best that we have is our discernment and our interpretations, and none of those are perfect. Yeah. Really like cool. when people say, God said it, that settles it. But, right. well, no, no, what you're saying is this is what you understand him to say out of a book that was written thousands of years ago. But <laughs> the best you have is just your opinion of it. Right. You know, and then you have all these denominations that have left people out. Right. And so yeah. we come in to say, hey, there's a different picture if you still want to hold on. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 I liked that message you had too about I mean the honesty of the sink. I mean what you yeah. said. That's that's that will always. Be, I mean I assume. I mean God. I mean whatever. Who knows? But I assume that that will always be my experience. Mm. And that that sink moment is why I am honest about things because I don't see the sink moments happening that often. I had. Uh, I'm going through something weird. I'm going through some. You know how when you feel like something's shifting within you, you go mm-hmm. through. You can feel it if you're. If you're not a little bit more, a little bit removed from it, you can feel it. 
I was having some some struggle with the whole gay thing and I was thinking you know I have five kids and I'm Catholic and if first of all um, my kids are if my kid if I never address the gay thing with my kids they already know what Catholics believe and right. that is already planted in them and that what if one of my kids is gay right? right and I was thinking you know if one of my kids is gay this is where I, this is all that I was thinking sorry God this is how Diana was thinking. Sorry, God, but I'm like, I'm there. Like, if my kid is gay, we are there. 100% sorry, God. And I started sitting with that for a little bit, for a couple of days, and thinking, wait, why Why am I saying sorry, God? Right, yeah. If God is all loving, and the amount that I love my kids is a small measure of that, why am I protecting my children from God? Mm. Do yeah. you know what I mean? No, I do. Yeah. And, and so that really changed things for me. That was that kind of led me on a different. On a, I'm constantly opening the box on God. I always say, "Oh, God is bigger than my understanding," and I open the box, and then I, I'm in that for a little bit, and then I realize my box is still there. It just got bigger, mm. and God is still in the box. Mm-hmm. So I just think it made me realize, wow, God is so much bigger than I give Him credit for. And if I think I have to protect my kids from God because they're gay because maybe God's not okay with it my understanding of God is probably not where it needs to be mm, I need yeah. to shift that. that that comes from a distorted theology in Christianity mm-hmm. oh, yeah. which yeah. is Jesus came to save, save you us. from his dad yeah absolutely his dad's mad yeah God the father's angry Jesus yeah. came to save you from that's very messed up right <laughs> you know yeah yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, open the door. Me. Why? Because of what's going to happen to you if you don't open the door. What's yeah. going to happen to you? I'm going to do something to you. Right. <laughs> and so that's that's what we give to the world. Yeah. yeah, I've always found that too, that the language is at odds with itself so often because the messages are so mixed. I mean, on one Sunday you may hear a certain set of words strung together and you're going, oh, wow, that's some pretty harsh stuff. But then the next the next Sunday or, or in your own readings, you, you discover language that just breaks everything that you heard apart. And you're like, this is, uh, as you said, you have, to, you have to sometimes go, hey, these words are not... Uh, meant to be worshipped, right. not these worries written words. You know, there's a there's an outside of the boxness that we kind of have to be make room for. I was talking about this on one of the episodes with Tom Trahan, and it's a little exercise I have, and it's that stick in the corner back there. It's got two ribbons on it, and one's red and one's yellow. And but I always tell people that when they blow through the wind, I, I meditate on them because there's a third ribbon there and that's the, that's the mystery ribbon. And that's the one I have to make room for is the thing I don't understand. Yeah. You know, the thing that may come in to surprise me and shock me when I think I know what red is and what yellow is, Yeah. you know, and that's, that's sometimes what I have to be to. And honestly, that's where the most insight comes from is that space when I'm, I'm shook out of my, uh, understanding. A we lot are of uncomfortable. Times. We grow. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be okay with the idea. I, I I think for us to have any sort of real experience with the godly, you have to be okay saying you don't know everything. Yeah. And and um, if you go on the internet and you see all of the things that other people post, and sometimes I, I'll do that. I'll get on, go on the internet and I'll see people that are in my faith group post things that just make me. <coughs> They just feel so unloving Mm. and I can feel my tendency um, automatically shifting to judge that person Mm. Mm -hmm. and 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 to 
make that make them and their beliefs other, right? Yeah. But but for me, I've been there. I've been where they are. And if we're pretending to be these super evolved, whatever, quote unquote, people, wink, wink, then <laughs> then why are we is our natural inclination to to say they're unlearned or not open or whatever? We have to turn that back on ourselves. Mm. So I don't know. I just think I think I'm really passionate about people who are non-believers or who think they're non-believers because they've been told they're not because I was that for so long that it's hard when we in our Christian space say that God is all loving and we mean that God is all loving and then we turn around and say Jesus died to save you because you needed saving because you were all you know and we have to do this and you have to do that or the loving he'll love you but and comma period whatever I'm just really passionate about that because I just want everyone to know that you're it's not what I don't know yeah. It, just, it just drives uh, me crazy. I know what you're saying. Like, I, the world I grew up in was Protestant, but the phrases we heard all the time was, yes, God is love, but he's but, also just. Right. And I'm like, well, he's not a schizophrenic monster. Right. You know? like, at the core of who he is, he is love. The Bible yeah. says it. But the thing about it, too, is there was belief and there were Christians before there was a book. Yeah. yeah. Right. They actually wrote it, but they didn't have it before right. they wrote it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, a lot of times that is elevated to yeah. God, and God is God. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think we when we see anything in life, it's uh, when something smaller it could be fit more towards the individual. And as that entity gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it becomes more uniform, and the individuals tends to get lost. It even happens with psychology uh, theories. I can use one theory on somebody, and I'm thinking, man, this is so awesome. I don't use this for everybody. And the next week, mm-hmm. somebody else comes in. It's like, oh, this doesn't fit for this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of the when. Early Christians, it was splinter groups. It was smaller cells, yeah. and then it grew into this big thing. And I think that's what gets lost is that, mm. that uniformity loses the individual. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we have probably similar personal missions too. Yeah, my personal mission. When people ask me, it's like I'm just trying to paint a different picture of Jesus for yeah. people who quit listening a long time ago. Not a new one, just a. a I think maybe more accurate, you know, right, right. but there's people who let go of this a long time ago, you know? And yeah. I was discussing with a friend the other day, some of our glitch with religious beliefs. I'm Catholic. Um, but I struggle sometimes because I feel like some of my friends and family and other Christians have gotten so focused on maintaining the rules of Catholicism. They've forgotten to be a Christian. And I don't want my Catholic faith to get in the way of me being a Christian first. And I went through a Bible study a while back, and I don't remember a lick of anything in that Bible study other than one line. And the author of the study said, if it's not light and love, it's not God. Mm. Yeah. And I think of that all the time now, whether it's whatever the social issue of the moment is, if it's not light and love and that's the judgment coming from friends or family, then that's not coming from God. Yeah. And you're talking about the gay issue. We spoke about this the other day. Um, My grandmother, she was like my Yoda, um, just all wise, all knowing. And she was cradle Catholic, very religious and kind to everyone. She didn't meet a stranger, loved everyone unconditionally, but she said, we're all created in his image and he didn't make a mistake. So mm-hmm. I can't see. I can't say that being gay is wrong. Mm-hmm. If we were, if he created us like him and he didn't make mistakes, how is that wrong? Mm-hmm. And if you start in Genesis one, you can get there when everything's good. Yeah, it starts off. If good. your story starts in chapter three, right. where everyone's bad, 
then you're not going to get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Are you familiar with Father Richard Rohr? I love him. I read his. In fact, I, yeah. he has a series on YouTube on Enneagrams. He's a brilliant. Yeah, he's yeah, so yeah, smart. He's great. Yeah. Now, see, he's in like that. You have to go find Richard Rohr is special, but you know, they're here again. It gets into what people think versus the way God operates. Yeah. Richard Rohr, if you talk to a traditionalist, you will can't. throw him into the heretic category. Oh yeah, yeah. he's a you liberal. Know, instantly. Oh, yeah. You know? And I go, man, it's it's wild. But but heretic on the lips of the traditionalist but no one will actually but he hasn't actually been excommunicated right. so the you go okay that's sometimes i think that that's the problem i run into whenever like it came up when we were talking about suicide on the show one day uh and i don't even know if that's aired yet but it, it will eventually but you know it came up because i had a a, a someone raised in the baptist church and someone who was a catholic and there was a suicide in, in the family and it struggled with the ideas because the people in his community had said, oh, well, you know, they're probably in hell. And I, and I, and I had to stop right there. I said, this is, again, where sometimes the, what we're told versus uh, what actually is within the framework of whatever your faith may be. And I go, well, here, here, since we have a rule book and people say that they trust it, let's actually look this up. And you go, oh, well, in the actual rule book, it doesn't say that at all. Yeah. At all. So you've been living your whole life. Mm-hmm based on what the community has formed around the tradition, calling themselves the tradition, they never showed you this little detail because that breaks down and opens up the mercy again. The door begins to open. Have you heard that story? I'm sure you have, because I know you like St. Faustina, right? Yeah. That story, and I don't remember where I heard it, and I don't even remember if it's accurate, but it doesn't matter because it is to me, where she was talking (laughs) to some priest or something about um, the teaching of hell or whatever, and um, the guy said, oh, you know, but hell, you know, hell is a plate. Hell exists. And she said, of course it does. And then she whispered in her breath, it's just that no one's there. No one's there. Yeah. You know, and like I love that. when you do a literal reading in the New Testament, it was a literal place on earth. It was a trash yeah. dump. Yeah. And it was yeah. only mentioned three times. And mm-hmm. every time is in the context of not feeding the poor. Yeah. So that was in the context of creating hell on earth. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think uh, if you're looking at it from a political standpoint, I think the Catholic Church is making changes. I think that eventually we will see LGBT not be ostracized. I think... And this might be wishful thinking, but I really think that uh, the Catholic Church has an understanding that it's a big, giant entity, and if you make a change suddenly, there's always going to be a counter to that change, mm-hmm. like with American politics. Um, I think I think that when uh, President Obama was in office, there was a lot of change. They got made towards one direction. It was a lot of uh, bi- not bipartisan decisions, and that that created what Trump was able to jump into. The change mm-hmm. happened so fast that this counter movement happened, and that's how it kind of took hold. Whereas I think the Catholic Church has a better understanding of that, and so that ship is a giant ship, and you can look at the popes and see that there is. Uh, love for the LGBT and I think that they're trying to make the change happen slow enough to where there isn't that counter. I think he is. I've heard that same thing before and I love that you said that because I was that's what I was thinking as you were talking. I've heard this, you know, the church or Christianity is a battleship, you know, not a speedboat. And so you can't yeah. turn it and go the other direction that fast. It's just too many moving parts. Ships so, take a long time to turn around. Yeah. Yeah. But people don't. So they no. turn around quickly. Yeah, that's All right. right. You're right. We're with yeah. you. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, Tony, it looks like you're up. Oh, my. Yeah. It's your turn. <laughs> Going back to the original thought, what I think happens is a lot of times people consider their interpretations and their theology more sacred than people. Yes. Right. And, and to I Christ, agree. people were the most sacred. Mm. 
you know. And so I always tell people, hey, I, I realize what you're saying, and you're you're very welcome to your beliefs. I mean, Christianity is a wide stream, but don't consider your beliefs um, more more sacred than the person sitting next to you, yeah. because that person has the image of God. Your beliefs don't have the image of God in yeah. it. You have beliefs about God and who you think God may be like, but mm. the person sitting next to you was created in the image of God, mm. whether they're a trans person or a homeless person or someone that you disagree with politically. Yeah. They have the image of God in them, and so view people as sacred. Yeah. You know? And that, that really that really did a, a lot of changing in, in my heart, you know, when I kind of grabbed a hold of that. Yeah. People as sacred. What do y'all think about that? It's a crazy segue that we made it to <laughs> Tony's segment, basically talking about right. it before we yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting on Charlie's one night, uh, and this was years ago, and I was just looking around at everyone in there, and they were much different than me. I grew up in De Quincey, but I was the weird kid with weird haircuts and Doc Martens and chains on my wallet, and everyone's listening to country music, and I can't stand it, and <laughs> no one wanted to hang out with me and everything. And so I was kind of treated as the other growing up, even though I had the opportunity to to not be that. But if something's popular, I don't like it. <laughs> you know, if you're going to wear gas, I'm going to wear something else, you know, whatever. And so I, that's just been wired in me since I was a baby. Um, but I was looking at all these people that were different than me, and I just felt like God kind of spoke to my heart and said, I love everybody in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just walked out just heavy, you know, because everyone was so separated, you know, and and uh, and it just kind of did a number on me. I was just like, God loves everybody, you know, even, even the people, that, which is hard for me because when I run into people who I feel like oppress other people or they stand for something that oppresses other people, I go into attack mode for people, <laughs> right? but I'm attacking other people. Mm-hmm. So I'm still trying the place where I don't know how to figure this out. You know, mm-hmm. I really don't because... Um, there's people that I feel very protective of, and there's people groups that I feel very protective of. Not that they need me to. I just, they're my friends and family, and I love them, you know? Yeah. And so if I feel like there's a policy or a person or whatever that's going to attack them or hurt them, I, I tend to not want to treat them as sacred. And I really, I have to kind of pull myself back because yeah. I can get harsh. In my mind, I don't let it come out. Um, I've controlled that part of me but in my mind I'm just like I'm gonna have a conversation with you and you're gonna feel ashamed and you're gonna feel like you're a loser and you know and I have to really work on that because I don't want those thoughts they're very negative to me yeah. Yeah. I understand that 100% but I don't want to have my head in the sand either to know right. that there's real oppression in this world you yeah know? but that's what I've discovered in Christian circles is that people really they hold on to their beliefs more than they hold on to you know let's take abortion for example um, there's people have strong beliefs about abortion on both sides. They they really do, and I'm not here to say which people people have their own opinions. But when you work with homeless people like I do, and you see these babies born, and no one knows who the daddy is, and you see that the uncle and they live in poverty, and by the time they're two years old, the uncle is abusing them and molesting them, or the stepdad is, and then I have to counsel them at 13 to not kill themselves because they don't want to be alive. Well, that's a pro-life issue, too. Right. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so there's all these other life issues. You know, like my medicine for MS costs $5,000 a month. Well, I can't afford that. Now, if we had universal health care, I would be okay. That's a life issue, too. Mm -hmm. But other people say, well, I don't want money going towards that. So that's all fine. But a lot of times we hold up these issues more than people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and so people say, so what about the, the homeless lady who was raped? 
and who's not sure how she can even feed this baby. And this baby, if it's born, is probably either going to die or be raped itself. Yeah. Well, those are things we don't think about. You know, we think, well, you just people doing this for birth control. No, no, actually, they're not. It's not every story. Is, and that, is and, and, and that's a very low, low statistic, too, you know. And so that's just one example of people saying, I believe this. Mm-hmm. Yes, but there are people here who have been through this. Right. And they are scared and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And if they have made a decision, the last place that needs that needs to make them feel like they're going to burn in hell one day is that the church should be a safe place for people who've been through those types of And that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, we have these beliefs that are sacred, but there's someone next to you going through something and, you know. You know, that reminds me of, of yeah, something that was point. Uh, on Facebook recently, uh, a while back there was this woman, this video of this woman who was speaking to children about abortion and she was on the pro-choice side. And so, um, a lot of people that I'm friends with on Facebook were sharing it, saying what an outrage it was. And, um, and oh, I saw that video. Yeah. What okay. I found was very interesting and that made me really think more than the video was the words people use to describe that woman in the comments. Mm-hmm. Is you know just she lost her humanity because of her viewpoint in the comment section. Now, no matter where you stand on the issue, it's like she's still a human with dignity, and if we believe that all humans have some intrinsic dignity, right? Then why are we then? removing her dignity from her in the comment box because she believes differently than us. Because yeah. those you beliefs know? are more sacred than her. Right. Yeah. 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 And they, the beliefs become more sacred than the solution. I mean, you could even make a compromise. Oh, let's get all these, let's do what we can to get everybody off the streets. Let's, let's make these organizations where uh, women who are pregnant can choose adoption, but we're also going to put them in housing and give them free education, give them all these benefits. And that's something that... And let gay couples adopt. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. And that's something pro-choice and pro-life should all be getting behind, saying, okay, maybe we don't have to make it legal, but let's diminish it as much as possible. And as soon as you say that, it's like, that's work. no, let's go back to politics. <laughs> which, which is the goal of most pro-choice policies, is to make it very rare. Yes. Understanding that if it was non-regulated, like in South Korea, there was 100,000 abortions last year, and it's illegal everywhere there. And there was over 100,000 under the table. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the whole gun argument. You know, right. well, you ban guns, people still going to get them. Yeah. And you, you go to these states that have very restrictive abortion things, and the highest Googled search is how to do a coat hanger one. You see what I'm saying? That is the highest Googled searches in states like Mississippi. And so this is where it comes in where, you know, people have to think past certain beliefs that they hold to, you know, and not change them. But see the other person as someone who's a real person who has, yeah. they've thought through this too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. My wife says all the time, she's like, a lot of people are pro-choice because they're pro-life. Because we realize that, you know, under Obama administration, the numbers for abortions had dropped the lowest they'd ever been in history mm-hmm. since it became legal, mm-hmm. ever, you know? The last two years, they've skyrocketed. You know, it, this is yeah. where I like, I talk about rules all the time with different people in various capacities. And, and recently in our life is going to really be a big segue, but I mean, it just makes me think of this, how a rule doesn't work for every situation, but we still want to enforce it yes. as if it does. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been having to do with bathroom policy at school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been, I mean, it illustrates the same point. I mean, my son has to go to the bathroom when he has to go to the bathroom, but they say no. Right. It's not the bathroom time. I'm going to pee in my pants. Hold it. I can't. <laughs> it's not the bathroom time. That's the rule. The rule is the rule. 
So they hold the rule higher than the well-being of people because then he pisses in his pants. Right. And then he's embarrassed and doing the walk of shame. And then we have to take off work, go bring clothes if we can. And it's a whole thing. And now he's got a stigma. And now, and, and those little things like that, that little... I've peed in my pants and everybody's laughing at me or they're calling you a name now because it's happened more than once. That's changing the course of his life. It's planting a thing in him. And now he may have a, where he was maybe socially fine. Now he's socially in and now he's not having as big of a good, better friend group that he used to have. People are avoiding him. That rule created that mm-hmm. because the rule was more important than the people. Because you need to make your digestional tract fit everybody yeah. else's. Well, and yeah. the problem is not the rule. If there are scheduled bathroom breaks, like I said, we'll I don't, take I can't, yeah, I mean, if there's scheduled bathroom breaks, and that's fine, but I don't understand why a teacher can't simply say, if a kid says, I gotta go to the bathroom, why can't you just pull them over to you and, and in their own bubble say to them, do you really need to go or can you hold it? Yeah. And if they say, I've really gotta go, then freaking let them go i just have to have but but they that is the conversation that's lacking it's not i gotta go to the bathroom you can't hold it you know yeah but this situation is very specific right right it's like why can't you just take two seconds to have one conversation about do you really need to go or can you hold it do you really need to go or do you really just need to move around because if you need to move around then you know we can get up as a as a group and take a movement break you know let's do that instead now, yeah. as a former teacher, you are definitely going to have those kids who are going to abuse that, and they're yeah. going to try to get out of class. <laughs> well, see, and that's what, that. and that was the conversation. You see what we're having a conversation about, though? <coughs> we're still talking about abortion mm-hmm. yeah. and the rule and the law. We're still. I mean, you're saying that, and you're going, you're going to have yeah. those people. And yeah, you're and also going to have the. Put out a disclaimer too. Like we always try to encourage people towards life, but I don't. You know, we don't we don't view people who have different opinions or anything as someone who's wrong mm-hmm. or just different. Like, and that's that's where I think, yeah. you know, we feel more peaceful. Is <clears throat> I don't want to convince anybody to be like me. And if someone's not like me, I, I think you're just as good and just as awesome as anyone else. You know, I just think we've gotten away from that. Yeah. You know, to, to, if pe- you're not like me, you're awful. You know, yeah. and I, I don't. I don't. And people that. don't understand. You said it, and that's exactly what I was going to say. I am. I am pro-choice because I'm pro-life, and right. people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Do I support abortions? No. Do I support people's choices? Yeah. I yeah. mean, yes. Yep. I would prefer for someone to have a choice. You know, because like you said, it goes so much further. Pro-life is not about abortion. Right. It's about suicide. It's about everything it could that you be about have to the choose. Life over death. Yeah. Exactly. Every single thing. So we have to be pro-choice. Right. You know, for yeah. the sake of the whole piece, because the molecules, you know. And I think something that I've wrestled with on my side is, um, and not everyone thinks through this because they didn't grow up in this world, but I grew up in an evangelical Protestant world where that group of people starting in the 80s married themselves with uh, right-wing politics, the moral majority, Jerry Falwell, people like that. And so what we saw was we saw our brand that I grew up in. I grew up Southern Baptist. Uh, By the way, an old Southern Baptist pastor told me one time, he said, I said, do you have doubts? He goes, sometimes when I think God speaks to me, I'm still only 50% sure. <laughs> so I thought, oh, man, if, he's, if he doubts, I mean, you know, whatever. But anyway, going back to that, what I've noticed is, and this came very clear when 9-11 happened, because, you know, we were attacked by fundamentalist uh, Muslims. Right. But George W. Bush was a conservative Christian in office. And so that gave rise to the next generation of nuns. If you know what they are, not Catholic nuns. Yeah, but the nuns. nuns. The nuns. We don't yeah. belong. None. No religion. You know. Right. Gotcha. That, that was a backlash from if this is what fundamental religion is about, 
they're causing yeah. all the problems in the world. We don't have nothing to do with it. So yeah. that gave rise to that. Well, what also happened was the evangelical conservative Christian church began to get looked at as the oppressors because we had political power. And anytime a certain group has political power and they start to legislate their brand of morality, uh -huh. then anyone who doesn't agree with that is going to feel oppressed. Uh -huh. So what we saw over the past several years is a mass exodus from the evangelical church. Don't know about the Catholic, but the evangelical church has lost members every year for the past 10 the Catholics years. Catholics have too. I mean, the Pew reports are saying the same thing. I yeah, mean, the our, our membership has the dropped. Language, and and the not. reason why is because um, we have married politics with our brand of religion, and 88% of evangelicals, you know how they voted the past, past election. And so for us, you know, we're like, man, that's not all of us. Right. You know, this is not what we stand for. This is not who we are. This is not what we believe. We do, we're not thirsty for power. You know, we serve a different kingdom. We pledge our allegiance not to a, a cloth. We don't sing. You know, if you want to kneel about a song of singing about bombs bursting on people, you can go ahead and do that. That's just an idol to us anyway. <laughs> you know, like we, and so, but you know, our, but we, you say that in our churches and people leave, man. I mean, that's how dare you mess with our, you know, and, and that's just how it was. They just married with politics and mm. we became looked at as the, and no one wants to go to church with oppressors. Nobody does, you know. Well, I, I think one of the problems we get into is that we, we don't, and I'll play, I'll play the foil, I'll play the devil's advocate, and uh, we don't, we, we get so involved in our party lines and our rhetoric that sometimes we don't really listen to what the other side is saying, and so a point of that would be that the pro-lifers point is, it, it, what it really boils down to is a discussion on when is the creation of life, when is life, when is this a life, and when does that individual have life and we haven't even discussed that yet and right. since we haven't discussed that that means that we're not really listening to pro-lifers we're not understanding the viewpoints we're coming at it like oh they're just trying to oppress people they're just trying to do this when it's really that they see that as a life yeah you're right there and, that's, that's i agree i, I, <clears throat> I was thinking that because it's not always about being on the the in the oppressor camp but when you do look rules. at studies and there was a study that came out a while back it, it interviewed several evangelical pro-life people and they asked him several questions and it really came down to this that they don't want women to be sexually free right huh. that's what it came down to most of it didn't really come down to the baby being born or what was going to happen to it mm -hmm. afterwards that's most exactly of it came right. down to this People are just too lazy to take a pill or put mm -hmm. on a rubber, and they just want to do what they want to do and have no consequences, and that's what we believe. Mm -hmm. That's what we think people do this for, and that's what it was about. And I'm just like, so there needs to be a discussion. Well, you yeah. can yeah, see is. that whenever people are um, so, like, like um, I call myself pro-life, and you can see that whenever you're so verbal with the pro-birth and then have no care about the policies that protect that life after it's been born. Right. Yeah. That's just, I mean, if you are going to say that the pro-life community does a great job at caring about the children once they're born, that's just not true. Mm -hmm. I mean. And that's a great point. It, and sometimes, too, and uh, so I think of myself as a good person, but we forget that not everybody has the same sense of morals as us. And so there's oftentimes that I'm in groups and, and I'll see somebody say something about, like, you know, um, maybe some group saying this. So there's so many people in this group saying these derogatory things, these evil things. I'm thinking to myself, there's not that much of that. And then I start looking around, I'm like, oh, there is a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. That is how other people think. That I happens just, to me, yeah. too. I mean, I'll, I'll get into a conversation and someone, uh, this happens on social media all the time where 
I'm in a conversation within an allies thread mm -hmm. and we're having a, a conversation and someone comes in and attacks you out of left field and you're like, wow, you came in hot, like, <laughs> and hot and ugly, you know? Yeah. And it's, I usually have to make a choice. Do I want to have a verbal war with this person and get hot and ugly with them? Or do I just go, eh, I always I, make the wrong choice. You know, I just need to turn them off. I mean, I have to do it all the time. And my, my thing lately has just been turn them off because I, I don't, be I, I go nowhere good. If I stay, hot, I, don't, I don't either. Yeah. I will, either it will get I very dark it. and I, vile, and just I get angry. I can feel it. I used to say stay silent. I used to listen to people say demeaning things towards women or towards minorities, and think, man, I don't really want to tackle that. But since the Me Too movement, I've been really trying to say something to tackle that to uh, to fight that because mm -hmm. uh, I, I think um, as an ally we, we are more powerful uh, than um, that some it's uh, a bad way to put it sometimes we have a little bit more influence over our peers than yeah. the people who are being oppressed yeah yeah I think that's a great point that you should be aware of what your natural inclination is so my natural inclination is not to be silent it's always to give a rebuttal mm -hmm. and then you have to and then I have to examine where's that coming from and how is that helpful so if your natural inclination is to be silent maybe you should be pushed to be a little bit more loud and if your natural inclination is to be loud maybe push yourself to be a little bit more yeah. shutting up mm -hmm. yeah my, my dad actually went to school with David Duke at LSU stop it wow and he would tell me stories of being in the quad and seeing David Duke giving his speeches and uh, and that basically he would just spout his rhetoric and hate speech and to the point where he would get a black guy to get up and swing at him and then yeah. as that guy would swing at him he'd say well this is my point they're yeah. aggressive this is kind of right. it and I remember always thinking to myself a white guy should have got up and swung at him <laughs> yeah and, and it just has me thinking because I, I work with uh, trans clients and uh, a lot of times um, you know they're, they're on hormones and as your hormones are changing you're gonna have different outbursts and that's one of the things that, that I work with them on you might have somebody who uh, is, ha is having crying spells they've never had crying spells before they might have aggression and they've never really had that aggression before and uh, and so I've always thought to myself like if I was outside with them or something like that and somebody came up and started spouting trans rhetoric I'd always want to be like no, you're good. Let me handle this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the time in history that we live in right now is so unique. I was telling my wife last night, I said, we were just watching the news. I said, we, we are living in the most interesting time mm -hmm. because it seems like we've went backwards a lot. Mm. But at the same time, I feel this sense of hope mm. that maybe there's some sort of resistance or uprising or something. And I don't just mean politically. I just mean to a different way of seeing the world and yeah. seeing people. I feel like that's on the verge of happening. Yeah. I feel like it's happening in certain circles of Christianity. I feel like it's happening in society that we're learning to see a, just a different way to view the world. And I, I'm hopeful for, for my kids. I, I want that. Yeah, I want to feel hopeful, too. I, I, re do. I read a story yesterday <laughs> where a kid got in a fight at to. middle school and he, two kids hit him and he hit his head on the concrete and he died Gosh. and i'm just like I, I can't live in this world i'm this my kids you yeah know, like it's it's awful i know i know and, what you mean and i think the the problem i'm always going to go at that politics it's, it's politics because when you look at the studies this is the safest time to be alive our life expectancy is longer than than ever you, the murder rate is completely down this isn't just in america mm -hmm. um thanks to the me too movement we're creating a world that's this is the safest time uh for women and uh but when you turn on the news you would not believe it you would 
just think that we've descended into the dark ages yeah. and that everything is increasing, but the studies show that everything is decreasing and this is the safest time to be alive. You know, I don't know why this comes to mind, but I'm going to trust it. Do you guys know Glennon Doyle? Yes. From Love Warrior. She wrote Love Warrior. She's my favorite writer of all time. She's married to Abby Wambach, the soccer... Okay. I know Abby. <laughs> yeah, well, they're married. And she wrote Love Warrior. And Glennon um, was telling the story about that she was teaching her children about the civil rights movement. And this is what happened and blah, blah, blah. And explaining it to her children who, you know, are removed from it and don't, don't know it outside of history. And her, her daughter said, well, Mommy, would we have marched with those people? And... Um, she opened her mouth to say, yeah, of course we would have. And her son answered, no, we're not marching now. Mm. <laughs> wow. Some good stuff right there. And, you know, she was a Christian speaker yeah. before she got divorced and then married. A, a, right. Yeah. And wow. she got, she got blackballed. Another thing she says, which I'm going to share this too. I wanted to say this earlier is she posts a lot on um, social media, on Instagram about God and she calls God with the feminine pronoun her and people in the comments boxes are always like why do you say God you know God is a woman why do you call her why do you say God her and she says well God is obviously not gendered because it's God but I will continue to call God a her until people no longer ask me why yeah no one well, questions. there you go gets back to being called a feminist you yeah know, back to the original because yeah. no one questions that we call God a the father and he yeah well you know I had a conversation the other day with somebody uh, we're meandering into another direction, but somebody that listens to the show regularly and they're a hard boiled atheist, you know, mm. and we were have we were talking about something else, but that it came up and, you know, they were commenting on the show and, and the person said, when I listen to your show, it reminds me where I live. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, the language y'all use, you know, like a lot of the guests talk about God and, and say he and him. And so it reminds me where I live. And I said, so you mean like the South? She was like, yeah, I live. I know I, when I listen to the show, it reminds me. And I have a hard time with it. They were saying I have a hard time with that language, you know, and then they even told me that they have a hard time with me. Not in a negative way. Right. They weren't being like, they were being honest. And I said, you know, I have a hard time with you because you'll have a conversation with somebody and you'll speak their language with them mm. on the show. And you'll say he in, in the same language you're using. Be the next guest, you'll talk in another language. And I said, well, mm -hmm. there again, we're getting back to the, the rule. My rule for the show is we got to get to the good. Yeah. What are you doing good for people? Tony, I mean, mm -hmm. people yeah. are more important. The good we're doing in the world is more important. I said, so when I have a guest who comes on the show and they're speaking, you know, Bible Belt, Christian language, they're calling God, he, you know, he, him, his father. The minute that comes out of their mouth, if my first thing is to go, hey, we're not speaking the same language. Let me tell you why I speak a different language. <laughs> right. and we're going to get completely derailed and have a big theological conversation and talk about the history of the Bible and language and languages right. and we completely get away, and there you go. Politics gets us in that space where we're bickering over this, and we're not even talking about what you came here for, which is how you're going into these trailer parks where people there's a, there's a high poverty level, and you're trying to help people get into programs so they can get off drugs. Yeah. We're not even talking about you're that anymore. And you, you think about this isn't really hard to think through. <coughs> if, you, if you think through it, you know, when, when Jesus called God Father... He did that to indicate that he wasn't born like us. Right. That, you know, his mother was a virgin at the time. And that his literal father wasn't Joseph. It was the heavenly father, you know. And so he naturally called him father. But then Jesus turned around and said, God is a spirit. 
And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And spirits don't have genders. Like this, it's really hard to figure out. If you want to call him a her, do her. If you want to call God, not him. If you want to call God a her, do that. You yeah. know, like God is a spirit. You know, yeah. he, he doesn't have a. And if you're listening to, I just want to share this. If you're listening to this and it frustrates you that people call God a her, just, exa- just examine that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Just even, examine it. Well, even like my conversation with my friend who's an atheist, you know, we didn't fight. We talked for two hours. I love that. We didn't argue about any of that. We kept talking about good works and good people and what makes people, what motivates people. We got past that very quickly because my answer sufficed. My yeah. answer was, I'll speak the language. If, I, if I'm knowledgeable enough, I'm going to speak the language of the guest. Right. Because we can get into actionable things which are helping human beings that that's it that's that's the whole point that's my that's where the rule has to be broad enough to cover a lot of ground if i had a rule that said we're only going to speak this language here you know we can't even get to helping people now we can't even do that this is kind of a weird one but i promise it has a point (laughs) so one thanksgiving my whole family comes back in there's a lot of us my parents had six kids and i think at this point i had been married my brother had been married he had some kids and uh he went to the bathroom i really had to go Uh, about 15 minutes later he came out i noticed that he did not reach for the exhaust to turn it off Hmm. because it was never turned on and so as i went to the bathroom i smelled Poop. So I had to <laughs> I use the bathroom. I want to know where this is going. It's going it, it, All right. It's a very good point. Got and it. so I uh, <laughs> I used the bathroom, smelling his poop, and then I got out. Of course, the exhaust was on when I did it, and so I turned it off. And I, I just said to him kind of casually, hey, use the exhaust next time you go in there. And he said, I don't have to. And I said, so why, why don't you have to? And he said, my poop doesn't stink. And so then, then, and he has a doctorate in political science, so that should kind of tell you what I was in store for. And we used to argue all the time. We shared a room. And so 48 hours, we just argued about this poop. That it sunk. <laughs> Obviously, I knew what you did in there. So it still had to have done something. Yeah. And then at some point, and we'd probably been arguing for like 25, 26 years at this point. At some point, it just kind of hit me. If I can't convince this guy that his poop stinks, what am I ever going to convince him of? Right. And at that point, it really just shed this thing with me where yeah. I never argued with him again. Yeah. And to this day, anytime I, somebody starts talking to me, like if it's somebody getting mad because somebody called God or her, I'll just kind of think, if I can't convince this person mm, their poop yeah. stinks, then there's something else going on there. I'll never be able to convince them anything about this gender thing with God. Yeah. So why am I even having a conversation about it? Some people that you try to have a conversation with, you're disagreeing about the fundamental rules. And if you're disagreeing about the fundamental rules of the conversation, then the conversation will go nowhere. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I have to watch myself to make sure that when someone disagrees with me on what the rules are, that I don't automatically think my rules are right and yeah. their rules are wrong. Right. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, I, I've experienced that doing this show several times where I go, I don't have to agree with them. I do think I, I try my best to find some kind of a common platform to walk on, though, because if we can find a common platform, yeah. even if we, we have even big theological or just nature of reality you know, differences. There's, we're still on this planet together. We're still breathing the same air. Air. We're still interacting with other people. I try to make that the platform most of the time. Now, now, do these other things come up? Absolutely, but that's the platform that this show tries to walk on. Is is that we're we're stuck here together? Yeah. We're we're stuck here together. I mean, what are we going to do Let's while do we're here? What are we going to do while we're here? Yeah. That's just a hard. It seems so easy. 
sitting here with you guys to say that out loud and go, oh, that makes sense. Right. And social but, media has changed oh the gosh. dynamic in society. Yeah. I mean, you think about when Facebook came out and then the first smartphones and iPads came out where people could just do that all the time. Yeah. But before, you had to get on your laptop at home uh-huh. at the end of the day. But now it's while you're driving. And this is around 07, so very quickly our society has changed. So now any opinion that anyone has can be discussed and just put out there. Yeah. And that has caused some division because before I wouldn't have known what you believed down the street. Even if you were my neighbor, I wouldn't have known what you thought about politics or anything, you know. Unless we discussed it. And if we did face-to-face, probably going to be friendly. Yeah, right. That's right. But the keyboard, man, is like, I can do this and get away with it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and you, you think about the Twitter and, like, even the way 45 uses it. Yeah. Well, we were allowed. It gives us an ability to prejudge a relationship. You know, I thought I actually talked about this with somebody. I said, you know, there was a time when I would just meet people, and if it was pleasant, it was pleasant. And we, if we liked each other, we'd get to know each other more, and then we'd right. spend more time together. And then if something came out after we spent some time together and we weren't in alignment, maybe because we had so many other things that connected us, those those things were okay. It was okay that my buddy didn't exactly think like I I had found there was an endearment to them at that point. So we were willing to move forward even in spite of that stuff. Now, somebody reaches out to you, their name's Amanda. If I'm using this example, mm-hmm. and I go, well, who is this? Immediately you go, well, who is this person? There, There's a guy and a girl in the picture. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm only using it as an example to illustrate what we do now. It's my point. I mean, yeah, yeah we, it I breaks our, we go, For oh, me, I can. it's not funny. It's to keep a neutral, you know. Yeah. So and you so when you're person, interested in who I am and so not my gender person. or my right, yeah. and so right. you go, you start to research people and you see, well, they believe this and they believe that. I mean, I've said that on the show many times that there are people that I get these social friend requests, you know, and go, did they go look at anything I write because we're in <laughs> like a huge polarity difference? I mean, they're not going to like me. I could, I go, they're not going to like me. Yeah. We're going to probably fight. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like we're like really not going to get along. Right. And then, sure enough, you know, we don't. Right. And I'm like, you can see, I have now, and it's just changed, right? It just changed and the you way can we work with that same person every day for yeah. years and have a wonderful. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. because our our the boxes we check are opposite of the boxes someone else checks, and our boxes are up front. Right. It's funny how true that is because I mean I've got family. And I'm going to have to be careful how I tell the story because this isn't, it, it's got a, hot words in it. But <laughs> a family member that I'd known, I liked them, I liked being around them for years. And then one day we're all in a truck together, we're helping somebody move, and they rolled down the window because they were mad oh, at the dear. person across the street and they were like, get a move on. And they said a derogatory racial word to this person, just screamed it out the window. And it was natural. Mm-hmm. And for me, it changed everything. But I mean, I'm not racist. <laughs> How could you say that? It about just me? hit me in the wrong <laughs> place. And I yeah. still see that person all these years later, but I just go, this is in you. And it's hard for me. It changed. It was like that was their social media feed. And if I had had that piece of information, I wonder if I'd have had any of those hmm. other endearing qualities. Would I have given them the opportunity if that would have been the only thing I saw was that one <laughs> racist comment written right. as a social post? I would have allowed those years of endearment. So now when I see the person, I'm still friendly with them. I go, yeah. they're like me. They have this flaw. Right flawed nature and this compulsion to do rotten things sometimes just like i do and say mean things sometimes and hateful things 
And I think sometimes we forget how powerful we are, though. So uh, just like when I'm talking to somebody, my, I'm going to use the language they're using. Uh, and y'all have talked about that gravity that people have, that that aura that they put out. And so a lot of times we don't want to tackle that issue. Um, but a lot of times, even if we don't tackle it in a harsh way, even if you're like, that's mm -hmm. not cool, man, just kind of a little bit like that, um, it really does shape people. Um, and uh, so, so we really do have this calling where we need to, to at least put some sort of dismay out whenever that happens, and uh, it it might little by little chip away at it, but but eventually he might start to question mm. when he That's says right. something or yeah. his thoughts yeah. are small um, seeds. See what I've seen happen with me is uh, when I do that. And it's probably not that way with everybody, but what I've seen is it's like, oh, just don't talk like that around this person. Mm -hmm. They don't want to change. A lot of people don't want to change in the critical way. Yes. They just go, oh, when they're around, don't bring that. Don't act like that because they're going to say something about it. My son experiences that. I mean, he's very vocal, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, he comes home with all these stories. And I'm like, man, that, that's got to be tough. He's like, yeah, because he will set when somebody gets really adamant about supporting 45, you know, he'll be like, why are you friends with me? <laughs> He'll just say that, like, why do you even want to be around me? Because if you support him, you support this list of things, and I'm critically against those things on a core level. And they affect me. And they affect me. Yeah. So if you're supporting that, then you're yeah. – in his math, is his equation, if you're supporting that, then you don't really <clears throat> want to be my friend. Hmm. And he's like, takes it that far. <clears throat> and I told him, I said, that's going to be rough. That's going to be rough with that equation because you're not going to have any room for – change you're not going to allow these endearments to build where you can show the person over yeah. time yeah it's, Tough. A, it's an inter that's an interesting concept because you can be that you know like from me my perspective and who i am as a person i want to reach as many people as i possibly can roger my partner he just wants to stay he wants his bubble his bubble and his way is his way and same thing like i don't support that so i can't support you and that's okay but me, I mean, I want to reach as many people as I can reach. So I will be a little bit like people call it sugar coating or, you know, something like that. So, you know, in that kind of a situation, it's it's nice to see people who stand up for what they believe in and stand in their honor because then they can go home at night and say, this is who I am. And they know exactly who they are and what they're meant to do. Yeah. But know, will, and that's refreshing. Yeah. We will always gravitate towards each other. Mm -hmm. And so if you take... Um, it, it, it trivialize it intentionally if you take uh like i hate the dallas cowboys right i'm gonna <laughs> say all kinds of horrible stuff about the dallas cowboys but if i'm playing on a soccer team and all the guys they're like the dallas cowboys my rhetoric changes right, right? It, gets, yeah. it gets even yeah. and it gets yeah. to the point to where i don't talk as bad and it really does change That's right. yeah forever. exactly exactly but if you were who you were then you just wouldn't play soccer with that team yeah, yeah. you know because you don't want to reach them and that's you know just two sides of the same coin yeah and thank god there's people on both sides thank right. god there are people that are willing mm -hmm. to stand in their honor and say that's not okay with me and yeah. thank god there are people that mm -hmm. soften themselves because that's if true. there was just one or the other yeah. Well, yeah, and my like me, I'm a, I always call myself a liaison, I'm a liaison of life. So you know, I've got Roger here, and I've got somebody here, and I'm in the middle, and I can bridge this, and I can, you know, I can coach in a way. I can, you know, Roger's uh, had a lot of trouble speaking with his um, for his ex-wife, the mother of his children, you know, for a long time, and I'm like, why don't you just say it like this? And he's like, well, because I don't mean that. <laughs> like I know, but. 
wouldn't you rather yeah. her come around to what you're, you know, having to say? And now they have a, you know, very friendly relationship yeah. because you've got this liaison in the middle that mm-hmm. can kind of coax from, I'm constantly saying, you know, you need to say something to say somebody. We'll say it like this. This is the way they're going to, and then they're going to tell me, and then we can kind of keep this circle going. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in that, too. I, I really am, and I'm also a believer of standing up. I just think everybody right. has a different yeah. threshold for what they they care the most mm-hmm. about. You right. know, and I, I, That's what I've told Jonah. I was like, you know, pick pick the things you really care about. Stand on a line when it's time to stand on a line, but be kind. It's the old Patrick Swayze. I'm about to get my boy in here. <laughs> Roadhouse line, you know, be nice until it's time not to be nice. Keep yeah, being nice. That's how Just I keep trying. But yep. there may come a time when you that's can't do that. Yep. And you have to be willing to. I'm, I'm that way. I, mm-hmm. I'm very low energy just with MS. And so I have to really protect myself from stress and confrontation. Right. Stresses me Your out. Your adrenal, yeah. And so I I, uh, I just try to do things by just taking action. You know, mm-hmm. if there's a need, we're going to feed. You know, if, if I need to, I'm going to go vote. That kind of stuff. But my wife is a lot smarter than me. And I had no delusions about that, you know. Um and so she's the type that she will speak up, and she can do it in a way to where she can get on, you know, she can cause people to think. If I do it, I, I'm just going to make yeah. you mad, yeah. you know. So I always tell myself, Tony, don't say everything you think, mm-hmm. because it's just mm. going to, you know, until Boy, I, until I, yeah, you can think through it. And I do that in relationships, too. Even, you know, don't say everything you think. Yeah. yeah. What's your wife's number? Her Enneagram. Um, yeah, Enneagram. Her Enneagram. She was telling me... Um, <laughs> Thought you were trying to pick her up. I thought so. I was like, it's a number podcast. Why wow, three seven? <laughs> she uh, she talked about being like a three and a four. Mm, yeah, because I'm a, I'm I have friends with her on Facebook. Yeah, and I like her. Oh yeah. yeah. They don't they don't ask for phone numbers anymore. My little my little <laughs> six year old went up to a lifeguard over the summer and said, "Hey, this is my Roblox name." Uh-huh. So I guess, I like oh, that. guess that's the new. What is a Roblox? Roblox name? That is the new thing with these kids. Is it Roblox is. an app? It's a, a game. game. A game. It's a huge, robust game. Yeah, for sure. Jackie I mean, my, was the number that was between. Like, I like that. She she moves with her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in between her head and her heart, but she moves a lot with her heart. Whatever one that is, you know, she she moves with her heart, and I move with my head. Mm-hmm. You know, like I the, and as a counselor, I found that beneficial because you know I'll talk to people who want to commit suicide. So if I always moved with my heart, I would just be a wreck. You right. know? But that's how we kind of balance each other out. But she is a lot smarter than me. And so what is that called? <laughs> the, the number of stuff? Uh, the Enneagram. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Those tests are pretty At robust. At first I thought I mean, it was anagram, and I was going to try and, like, I was like, oh, you have to spell your too. name out, yeah. write different things, and then they put it in. That I way. really thought Tony was about to give some weird anagram about Tony, <laughs> about Tony. and I was like, well, this is interesting. Man, it's just questions. <laughs> yeah. Questions you ask, yeah. and you write your name. T is for... It's going to be wonderful. This is a great place for our final. Oh, no. thought you were getting out. Did. I think it actually is We good. all bow our heads like we're praying whenever we're concentrate. I'm always trying to get out not, of it. Be, it's actually a video. I'll be reading everything on there and not paying attention. All right, here we go. I think our social network not not uh real life social network has a lot more to do with our uh mental well-being than we realize we want to pretend like we're these independent lone wolves and if we're having an issue that's that's kind of us and we have to fix it or, or if we're doing great that's us and we did it on our own but we're really collectivistic creatures and so uh 
Uh, I think that's one of the problems that, that we get into sometimes is we don't focus on our social situation enough. We hang out with friends that we shouldn't be hanging out with, or we don't go out and make new friends as our old friends start to move away. And our, we see our uh, circle kind of start to shrink and decline. And, uh, and and so a lot of times when I'm working with my clients, I am trying to make them build their, their base up. Yeah. Okay, I like this. Man, that was good. Yeah. That's been such a uh, a huge change in my personal life. I, just recently, like the last two or three years, I have a group, a small group of five women, and uh, Stacy's one of them, like we were talking before uh, we started, of women that are just good. And they build me up, and they we build each other up. There is no, there is not even a hint of gossip. There is only love, acceptance, honesty, and beauty. And I did not even know that was a thing that was like possible, you mm-hmm. know. And that's so important. And and changes really changes how you feel about yourself. Changes how you act towards others. Changes how you even see the world. Knowing that there are that the people you surround yourself with give you the energy that you go out into the world and then give that energy off to other people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm guilty of that. I mean, of uh, not going out and, and making new friendships, you know, like when old friends pass or pass away, <laughs> when old friends, <laughs> pa- when the old friends passed away <laughs> or, or, well, maybe, we I mean, maybe that older. does happen. You know? <laughs> uh, or even, I mean, for me, I, would, I listened to your statement, and it, it reminded me of two things. It reminded me of when I would get in a collection of people. I can use religion as, again as that. I mean, when I would get into a religion, and then all of a sudden the little group would form, or I'd go on a retreat, and there'd be a real tight knit, and then that thing starts to break away as they do. You know, we're all going to talk to each other every day, forever, and then it's like oh, the, the impact of the retreat starts to wear off, and then people go back to their normal patterns in life, and that becomes less and less important the further away from it you get. You do get that feeling of like, well, and I think I see some people chasing that. It's mm-hmm. like, I need to go back on another thing, and then they mm-hmm. get another group, and they get hit real hard because they, they need that. For me, it makes I've always been maybe it's unhealthy too, like afraid of that because I go, well, I've been through this and it tends to separate again and I don't really need to go through that cycle again. Mm -hmm. So I I won't even go do it because I've been there and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to test this again and keep testing this. Do you not think though that you like you, um, you come across like this and tell me if I'm right or wrong, that you will take a step forward in a relationship and just really be brave in that step forward. And then whenever the other person meets you, they don't honor your truth and your honesty. And so you kind of have like a protective. Yeah, I think from, yeah, I think that's probably accurate. I don't know if I'd say it's a, maybe it's a protection. I've never put that word on it. I've always been more like, a flow of energy is the way mm-hmm. I would consider it. And it's kind of like what I described. I call it alchemy a lot right. of times. It's like, okay, how can I, if I'm going to point this energy into this thing, I want to see it, I want to see it transform into something. There needs right. to be some sort of, some sort of evolution from where I'm at to where this thing is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so when I get that energy pointed into a person and I go, hey, this is just an output of energy and there's no transformation and there's no transmutation. There's nothing being born and I can just sense it. I, I, I maybe in the past I would have stayed in that longer. Right now I just go, Hey, 
look, I need to take this energy and point it and put it into another device. Mm. Does that make sense? I don't yeah. know if I'm using the right language, but yeah. for me, that seems to be my mode. It's like when this energy's in here and it's starting to flourish, uh, then I sense, okay, this is a good connection. These The channels have lined up. Mm -hmm. The gates are open. Things are being born. But I can tell pretty quickly, for me anyway, like, hey, this is sort of not, this energy's not good. I mean, I've even experienced that with the church. Right, of course. I mean, it's exactly what I experienced. It was like, hey, here's some love. I'm ready to love. Right. It's hot and on fire. I mean, <laughs> right. I've been, my, my heart's been crucified. I got the holes from the thorns. I'm ready for the big cross and the flame on top. I want to be the other side of the sacred right. heart. You know, I want to be on fire and glow. Let's glow. Let's glow. And then you get in there and like, we don't, do that here. we don't glow here. We don't do that here. <laughs> no, man. In fact, you got here. Here's a book and come to class. Here's how you glow. And and, and also, if you want some more love, then you got to have to get somebody to sign on this. And we're going to stamp. I just went, this turned into a bunch of contracts. Right. And then also some of these contracts are to keep other people out who ain't done what you did. And I was like, right. well, that ain't glowing, man. Right. right. I'm not on fire. And my energy went. Okay, I gotta take this glow and stick it in another thing. Yeah, something with the shades up. Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I am. I mean, I don't know. That's just how it I've is. I've told you before. You gotta make the thing. I've told you this before. <laughs> that you. I feel like you've tried putting your glow in places. I think stop putting your glow in places and look at you here. We're, well, this we're is the thing. Here. I think you, what you're saying. I think you're sitting at the thing. This is the thing. This is the and thing. And as long as this is glowing, it's it glowing. is good, and people are getting something good from it. Then I'll just keep dumping that in there. Sounds very harassing, Kyle. When I'm like gonna that. just say, I'm ready to stick that glow <laughs> right like, in there, bro. I don't know. About <laughs> I feel like I don't go very deep with people, yeah. unless I really, really know them, and that may be a problem. I don't have any expectations though either, mm -hmm. and I've learned that. I guess I've, I've been a pastor for over 20 years, and so, you know. People will let you down if if you're easily let down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. that's true. So I just I really don't I mean, have any expectations. I don't really get mm -hmm. let down by people a lot, even if they do some really horrible stuff, you know. But I don't have a big circle, and I know that probably needs a change. But the position I'm in, either people are are looking up to me, mm -hmm. or they need something. Right. And so a lot of the times I'm just like. My boys, my wife, you'd leave us alone. <laughs> That's how I am, too. You said yeah. you don't get deep with people. Is it because you feel like it's not a safe space or it's just not something that is natural for you? I have to be really, really close to somebody. Um, and I'm not a small talker. Right. I'm, I'm an introvert, so I'm deeply shy and, I, I, you know, people scare me. Um, but I think it's just the fear of... Like, I, I really don't want to change your mind about nothing. Mm -hmm. I just want to love you and mm -hmm. hang out with you. But I, I, if we if we get to this space where we're going to have to start talking about deep, deep stuff, and I, and I know that I'm going to, like, disagree with you, mm -hmm. I have a hard time not going there. And so I'd rather just not. So I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't know it's what that's about. energetically draining. Yeah. I'd imagine being one of the, like, the head of the church, it's hard to, like, like as a counselor, um, I can't be friends with my clients. Right. I can't divulge that kind of stuff with my clients, but it's very easy for me to clock out, go home, and have that there. But I'd imagine being the head of a church, that is kind mm -hmm. of, that's your community. Yeah. And But you do have to keep like a separation, right. and so it gets really weird. It's almost like you have to have a group outside of your church, and that's right. kind of weird to think about. Mm -hmm. um, so I imagine as a, as a pastor, that's got to be really tough. We do. We have a couple that we're friends with. Uh, I don't mean a couple of just they're a couple. Uh, it's Matt and Wayne, and we go take trips oh, with yeah. them. Yeah, they're wonderful, <laughs> and they make me feel safe, and I can be myself and everything. Uh, so we do have that, but it's not a very large. But I know. don't think that I don't think a sake 
I mean, I might be wrong, and I don't like to talk in extremes or whatever, but I don't think a sacred space of people that you surround yourself with that make you better can be big. Do you huh. know what I mean? I don't even know that it can be a large group. Or yeah. I haven't seen it, at least. I haven't seen it be a yeah. large group. I've always seen those places, those spaces of people that are good and pushing you to be good and are safe for you are always smaller, I yeah. think. I think sometimes we glorify relationships. Mm. Um, I think, and, and it kind of guilts people sometimes. So, like, sometimes we glorify the connection between a mother and a baby, a newborn baby, and sometimes and women will feel very guilty when they aren't born with this magical, sacred bond. <laughs> Same thing with God. Uh, we glorify the bond a lot and so whenever we're not having these visions and burning bushes in front of us it's like what is wrong with us mm-hmm. and I think the same thing happens with friendship because we, glor- we we want that deep deep inner sacred connection and, and really you're only going to have that with a few people in life hopefully spouses and uh, things like that so most of your friends are going to be more superficial right. and we tend to throw that away we want to be like oh it's just superficial mm-hmm. oh it's just this yeah. but, but those are very important to us because we really want to feel like we belong to the community. As human beings, we have this drive, this this need for that. And uh, or, or sometimes we don't. Sometimes we are <laughs> counterculture. But even counterculture, we like to have our culture, yeah, right? Yeah. It's yeah. weird um, because you know my dad passed in February, and uh, my mom's by herself now. And then three weeks later, my my wife's mom passed. And so her his, her dad's by himself. And so Jackie and I have had conversations about you know. What, what's it going to look like when that happens to me or her, you know? And and uh, Jackie's like, well, you know, uh, whatever, you know, if, if it's me first, just be happy. And mm-hmm. I told her, I said, well, I said, here's the deal. I said, I, don't, I wouldn't feel any sense like I was betraying you or anything. I said, but you're just my person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, like, if, if I hadn't found her, like, I, I'd be totally cool being by myself and right. just being a dad. Like, I just don't have that need, you know. I've, mm-hmm. I'm an isolated person since I was a little boy. I had an imaginary friend and... I entertain myself, and my favorite person is me. <laughs> right? I don't ever need to counseling from myself. I don't drain myself. You know, I just mm-hmm. make myself yeah. laugh. I think I'm funny. You yep. know, yeah. even if no one's around, I'm laughing at myself. Yeah, that's interesting. I I can relate to a lot of what you just said. Yeah, I mean, I'm too. sitting there just nodding my head, going, you know, I I, I have Pee Wee Herman. I'm a loner in a re- <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Relationship has been worse, and I don't. My wife's sitting in the back office. I mean, but and I don't mean it like the way it's going to sound. But I'm just going to say it the way it's going to come out. Relationship has been worse for me than solitude Mm -hmm. because um i probably am not very good at it i mean that's just the truth of the matter i don't think i'm very good at relationships i think i'm good at being a nurturer as a father i think i'm good at being some a good listener uh i think i'm good at acting and helping people and uh, but i'm also better to heal from those things because they tax me mm-hmm. they take from me so i need that 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 isolation time what i found as i've gotten older and the world's gotten busier is that i have less and less and less of that so i have become less healthy that's just the truth i probably am less mentally healthy and less whole as i get older because there are more and more and more relationships and complex things and i think those things just they don't add to me they do they actually i, I feel yeah. they take from me i know something, that's crazy yeah, something that's why you don't do retreats that's, because you need to be for alone me my retreat recharge. is solid yeah, I, am alone. Too, yeah. I am the that. exact opposite same they, they kind of my boss you. is the opposite she <laughs> needs me and i'm like i need you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they tell you in counseling that uh you'll leave at the end of the day and you might not want to talk to your family because you'll just be talking uh-huh. I'm like heck no um i think some, sometimes the danger we get into is 
times that we think that there's something wrong with the other person because they're not like that. You know, I might mm. be like, well, Orin, there's got to be something really wrong with you. Right. You don't want to go out and hang out with people. But then you're like, well, mm-hmm. Bruce, why, why do you have to be around people That's so much? Right. And uh, But everybody is wired differently. You need yeah. different things. Yeah. 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 I think it's interesting that you said about relationships and that you're, if you comparatively, you're less healthy now than if you had just been alone. Because, like, I am the exact opposite. I'm, if left to my, my like, to be alone, I am so naturally selfish that being in a relationship with my husband who is like a much better person than I am everyone that knows us both would agree um being in a relationship with him has kind of like pushed me to be aware of all the ways that I'm jacked up and he's been like almost a uh, example for me Mm. you know and I know that if I was a 32 year old me right now without five kids without my husband I would be vastly different. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd probably be to to the war. Imagining this, it's maybe not true, but just <laughs> the truth. My my deep deep truth is that to the world, I probably wouldn't look very well off mm-hmm. because they would go, "This guy's got no house. Mm-hmm. He doesn't own a car. Mm-hmm. He's probably he's wandering from place to place. He settles for a little while, maybe works an odd job, and then takes off again." what the heck that's not right. good that's probably what i would be more like and i do love people that's the other thing that i have i've say that a lot but i've found in myself that I, I actually do love people quite a lot and i think i that maybe is why i end up retreating so much is because i i think i love them in an almost unnatural human way very supernatural way that sounds mm. really crazy but you have a heavy dose of empathy too yeah. it's so painful i mean yeah. michelle knows i tell her all the time like we can go i have a hard time going out to eat and if i see people when there's somebody like I, the other day i mean just i went to panera bread and i stopped for lunch on a thursday because i usually that's my path on thursdays i go by there I was, I'm going to stop and get a sandwich. I couldn't. I left so heavy. There was a family there. Their child was sick, and they were all caring for it. And you could just see that it was just a lot of pain and heaviness. And it just wouldn't leave me. Yeah. It just stuck around. And I go, this is this place that I've been in since I was a kid. And so I'm afraid of being around too many people in intimate ways because then it gets into that pain and I carry it home. Mm -hmm. I carry it like in the space that we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. and it just lingers. It lingers and it, so when I'm wandering as in this mythical, mystical way, that doesn't happen as much. I can get in and get out and wander in this, this other version of myself that, that doesn't exist. Honestly, I've asked myself too, you know, if I was wired, uh, for certain types of relationships because my first marriage ended almost it was over seven years ago and uh we were very different you know um and so but one of the things is speed and pace of life Mm. you know and mine's very slow and strategic when you have ms you have to be because you're living in mud you know and so you have to be but you know, and my, my, my wife Jackie knows that she, when we found each other, I couldn't stop myself from falling in love with her. Mm. And we both tried. You know, and people said, man, uh, you got to wake up every day and just love his work. You got to, you know, and her and I talked, I was like, we've never really experienced that. Like, we, we first, we were like, man, we don't want to do this, you know, but God, I can't help it. You know, I'm just in love with you. Yeah. And so it works. She's my person and it works. But like, if something was to happen when we're older and she goes before I do, I would miss her so much. Yeah. But it wouldn't be to the point to where I would want to replace her. 
Yeah, no, I understand exactly. Because I'm the type who can live with nostalgia, and I and I love it, and I live with memories, and like I think about my dad every evening on on my Mm -hmm. back porch watching the birds eat because that's what my dad did, and I shed tears, but none of that bothers me. It I feel it, you know. Yeah, no, I understand, man. Yeah, she's my she she makes it work for us. She she's awesome, (laughs) you know. But if it wasn't for her, uh, I'd I'd probably be a pastor and a dad, you know, and. That's yeah, it, you know. and I had that exact same experience with uh, my first wife. It was just not, you know, it it just didn't mix. And I just was like, well, she's from Venus and I'm from Mars. That yeah. must be what's going on here. And I, I didn't know any better. And it wasn't <laughs> until I got in a relationship with my my uh, wife that uh, I realized that's not the way it is. We are the same. And she has ankylosing spondylitis. And so a lot of times we are uh, a little bit hampered by her diagnosis also. But um, yeah, I mean, it just works and it just fits and everything just feels great. And mm-hmm. if anything happened to her, I wouldn't be looking to replace anything it really yeah. is. When you go from every weekend, we got to do this with these people, these people, run, 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 and then all of a sudden you're just like, man, I haven't even had time to watch Netflix because that's what I love. <laughs> you know, like I, I grew up, I'm 43, I grew up in the 90s, man. We had nothing but movies. Movies, you know? man, I hear you. But like Jack, I'm like, we well, want to do something this weekend? She's like, yeah, I want to hang out with you and watch Netflix. I'm like, man, this is awesome. See, that's, I, I get that. See, Michelle's a comfortable place like that for me. I mean, she, I, whenever I, if I had to really just sum it up the way that love works for me with Michelle is that it's the love of a, of a, the most wonderful friend. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, it's comfortable. I don't have to prove myself to her. I don't have to explain a lot to her and she doesn't ask I don't ask her to explain anything either if she wants to do she does if she wants to believe what she wants to believe she does we talk about those things there's no not a lot of judgment in there and there's not a lot of pain yeah for Mm -hmm. me anyway and so it feels like a comfortable type of love it's not like this eros it's not you know what I mean it's not hot passion because that stuff for me has always been dangerous Mm. and it flickers yeah. You know, and I'm, I don't like when things flicker like that. Yeah. That's like a good oiled, trimmed wick. <laughs> just Solid burn. Some good light. Uh, patterns make relationships <laughs> or they break them. Mm-hmm. You know, not promises, but patterns. And we have similar, so it's good. Yeah. Yes. Hey, what about your talk? Do you ever watch Big Brother? Like first five seasons but were they on like 27 now oh they just finished i just i thought that was an interesting human oh it's awful this yeah it was like an episode of black mirror this last night's finale but i find that a very interesting human experiment for three months no social media no tv just relationships yeah it's interesting and almost all of them when they leave the house was like this was amazing really Hmm. you know they couldn't talk to anyone they couldn't even couldn't talk to their family but they had 12 of each other yeah one would say we 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 like to blame social media but a lot of times it uh we just isolate ourselves too Mm -hmm. we we get so worked up in, in what we do Something weird about society is that, uh, so this is a good thing, right? Women are working more than ever before, which is awesome. That's great. Men are spending more time with children than ever before, which is amazing and great. But men aren't working less and women aren't having to care for the house less. Right. It's mm-hmm. like we've just increased the exactly. workload. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we never true. increased the free time. And, and I think that that cuts down. And I think we, we like, like social media gets gets a lot of that. Well, okay, it's taken away from our personal relationships. I think it might be the way that uh, society's going, where we're just stuck with so much uh, work. Yeah. And, I no, I think you're right about that. I mean, I, I think about that all the time, and I talk about it probably till it's people are sick of it. But, I mean, the pace is just too – it's too much. I mean, I don't even want to pretend like it's not. It's just too much. It's too fast. It's too much. It, it's and it's not lot. good for us. And in the South, it's we got to work. 
Yeah. You know, son, if you don't have a hammer or shovel in your hand seven days a week, you're not a man, you know. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. God said, man, take a day where you don't do nothing. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know. But yeah. I, I heard something yesterday uh, that we still make policies in this country based off of a poverty baseline that goes all the way back to the 50s of a single income household. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been updated. So we still base the, our poverty line from a 50 single. And so we base policies off of that when in reality, probably today's poverty line is probably about $35,000 a year. Mm. Yeah. You know, and we're not making any policies based off of that. Yeah. So because of that, society is just busy and trying to make it and trying yeah. to the house pay, pay for the house. And, you know, I, I, when I get in my car, I want it to start. So every three years, I guess we're going to have to get another one, you know, and <laughs> yeah. it's all that kind of stuff happens. And you, you, when you're born and you have to pay to live here mm. and then when you die, you have to pay to get buried here. Yeah. And it's a lot a lot that you have to pay. That's interesting. I think about this. I was talking about this a little bit in that category when Kevin Yadis was on here and we were trying to figure out like we're going to figure it out. But, you know, we were talking about why the suicide rate is so much higher in Calcasieu Parish than everywhere else. You know, and I mean, I've got so many thoughts about it. And you're you're in one of those territories and what you're talking about. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I know people who are. and, And then also it's disproportionately high. Let me say this in the server industry, you know, waiters. Service. I didn't know any of that. Veterans. Yeah. And so you go, okay, why is it higher here? And then also, and then this is a new thing. Mm-hmm. And then why in the server category? And I mean, knowing someone close to me who is a server and lives here and who struggles with anxiety and depression, I go, Ugh, I can tell you because I talked to this person. I know why it's higher, at least with that person. Because it's hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. They're already struggling. And they're being told, you need to stand on your own two feet. You need to pay your bills. Mm -hmm. You need to do this. And when you become a problem again, everybody looks down on you based on some dollar signs. Right. And then they're like, why am I here? I'm just serving for what? I serve what? What machine am I serving? I'm just a cog in this machine to do what? Breathe air. I hear these words. Right. To suck up What's air, go buy some groceries, eat so I can go back to work and barely make enough money to do what? <laughs> Sustain the machine that's destroying my happiness. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah. dude, it, it's it's a disease. I mean, and we've got so many human beings trapped in that situation. I mean, it's, it's horrible. Exhausting. It's despair. In Denmark, they pay their restaurant service $21 an hour. <laughs> And the reason why, they asked the restaurant owners why, they said, well, if we don't, they'll have to depend on the government. And that's the sign of a sick society. Yeah. Right. So we pay our employees. And what do they make here? $3 plus tips? Yeah. 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 And Still. Whether, $21 an hour for, you know, that's. And whether you believe in evolution or creationism, this is not what we are designed for. Uh, creationism, we aren't designed for this world. God did not intend us to live in a world like this. And if you're looking at evolution, I mean, we're thousands hundreds at least but thousands of years from uh being having brains evolved enough to handle electricity and Mm -hmm. electronics and the stuff that we assault it with and we're really designed to live a life where you do some work in the fields you talk to a few people you go back home you have this relaxing time uh and and we're just not living the life that we're designed for you plant some tomatoes and then you eat them (laughs) that's it that's what what it was about i think often like um I always look around at people and I'm like, how come no one else is having a hard time? 
Like when my kids were in uh, school, like no other parents seemed to be struggling to turn in the papers and buy the co different color shirts. And I just could not understand why is no one else struggling? What's wrong with me that I'm having a hard time remembering this and this and pick up and drop off and all, like, it's so hard. And I finally realized, and I, it's something I have to rem remind myself often, it's not hard because you're doing anything wrong. Like, it's just this hard. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, that's yeah. it. It's yeah. just this hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know just from, we talk about this, Michelle and I, a lot because we work together. And so we can, to some degree, bend and flex when there's a crisis or there's an emergency or where there's a kid has a need, an odd need in the middle of the day. So we can go, well, how can we coordinate, shift mm. some schedules, move some things around? We, that's a great luxury. And that's what we call it, a luxury, because other people don't have it. And I sort of thing is like, I actually screwed up. Yeah. What I'd rather be able to say is go, it's just okay for anybody to do this and it's not going to break the machine. Mm, yes. To just go, hey, my kid has a need. Mm -hmm. Can I just leave without feeling stressed that you're going to be mad and I'm going to lose my job mm. to go do the loving thing because I'm a parent? Wouldn't it be great to live in a society that was like that? But we don't, it isn't really like that. You find employers like that mm -hmm. in pockets or, or individualized, right. but you don't see that as a blanket idea. The machine is, and the rule. Again, I mean, bringing it back to, if you want to call it that, the rule is more important than people. Right. Mm -hmm. Rule is more important than people. Yeah. I mean, people can do that. They just don't. Yeah. You know, I mean, Roger is a perfect example of that. He's lost a ton of jobs because of that same exact reason. Well, that's what I was going to say next is that that's, I've had just to do, left. I've done the same thing. I went, I, right. if, if you're going to make me choose between you and my kid, I'm going to have to quit. Yeah. And not everybody though can do that they you can. know right well I mean, they can they have the choice yeah. but then they yeah. there's a, there's it's just a, a chain reaction of well, it's, it's, it's unprogramming what you've been programmed to believe and that's the problem the problem is not the machine the machine is not broken the problem is the programming that you've been accustomed to all this time and then deprogramming from that see i have a friend well i'm, I'm gonna say a friend i'll call him a friend i have a friend who's done that mm -hmm. said i'm not gonna work my spouse isn't gonna work and it's all going to be good. And it's good because I'm breaking the machine. But then you sit and talk to him and say, well, how are you breaking the machine? Because I'm not taking part. I'm choosing my family over being in the workforce. I could spend all my time with my family. Okay. They got no garden. They got no chickens. Mm -hmm. They don't live on a ranch. <laughs> they're not farming. Right. They live, they live by me in the same place I do. And they're not drinking ditch water. Okay. So what's happening there is they are living off of the machine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i go so you're not really you're saying you're breaking the machine and you're making a choice but your choice is to really you're just utilizing the machine in you're a different way yeah. down, which fact. is still yeah. another program because yeah. we've yeah. always <laughs> been you know if you don't make your job your hobby i mean i've got two jobs they're both my hobbies i love to clean and i love to dance and i always wanted to be a teacher and now i get to do that that's just a product of I've created my life around my hobby mm. and you can't un you can't deprogram yourself from one program and then expect to not have to deprogram it from another <laughs> right you know it's just a domino that you too, have to continuously do that I think too though it's important to think about that like uh, we come we're all we're we're coming from a place of privilege when right. we're having this conversation. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So it's important to, I think, remember that, like, um, it's easy for us to say, like, we're not going to take part in the machine or whatever. But right. some people literally don't have mm -hmm. that. That's right. 
that choice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- th- you have to do something. You don't have to do anything, but you have to make your work play. And if you don't make your work play, then it'll always be, I have to do this instead of I get to do this. Yeah. And I mean, I know I, I'm, don't, I have my privileges. I'm a lady. I am white. Those are my privileges. Other than that, Roger and I make $40,000 a year combined. We don't live above mm-hmm. our means, and we love what we do for a living. And yeah. anybody, if you deprogram yourself, can do that. It sounds peaceful. <laughs> well, and, and it even, is very peaceful. Yeah. I spend every Wednesday and every Saturday with the most amazing three-year-old boy, undivided attention. Yesterday, we made pizzas together at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Who gets to do that? Yeah. People that want to. And coming from the place of privilege it's, it's my my uh my parents didn't put any money into my college but they did give me a place to live while I was there they did push me towards college and when I made the decision that I needed to change directions um thankfully I had a professor that told me to get my degree in music education and and then go back and get a master's in psychology and that way I was able to work as a band director to pay my way through grad school um whereas my wife didn't have that same luxury she mm-hmm. came she came from a family in, in poverty and so when school got kind of tough for her and she needed to change directions she didn't have that platform she wasn't able to to, to make that change and she dropped out and when we got married it you know i was you know because i was at a point where i was established it made it easier for her to go back to college but um it it really is that that we we were talking earlier about how uh you know kids maybe they could change directions whenever they're older but whenever you don't have that that base that support Mm. there that that privilege it's really hard to do that you're kind of stuck going in that one direction the the village is so important i talked about that on my episode what you Mm -hmm. my one of my questions was what's the one thing you can do for children your children create a village because you can't do it all Mm -hmm. you can't be that person for everybody you have to have your village so that they can pick up the slack for you so that your kids can i mean i had the opportunity to go to college and do anything i wanted to do and I couldn't do it I couldn't even do that my two favorite jobs I've ever had is a nurse's aide at a nursing home and a server those are my two favorite (laughs) jobs I've ever had because I just wasn't programmed for that but you know your village is everything for the kids gets back to what you said in that statement I mean you know how important is the and, and going, it's, yeah, yeah, it's not about the close knit people because you you know those are the people that build you up. It's about creating. It's about filling the gaps. Right. It's about and, filling the holes. And going back to something Diana said is that uh, all of our emotions have a purpose. It has mm-hmm. a reason that it's there. Um, and sadness, that's one that we neglect. Uh, the movie. Uh, inside out oh yeah kind of really hits home that it's whenever we show sadness that mm-hmm. we're able to get that support from our right. community that that it is there to show uh, the rest of this community that something is wrong we're vulnerable we need help but what would happen if Diana just broke down and started crying and saying this is hard mm-hmm. a lot of people look at and say just get up Right. <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing? Right. No, we're lack compassion. Yeah. And, and to me, is different than empathy because people say, oh, I'm empathetic. For 
to me, I do think I have a real hard time with definitions and, and people really have to break things down. Somebody said something about you can't succeed unless you fail. And I was like, I don't think I've ever failed a day in my <laughs> life. What are you talking? I don't under, I don't agree with that. And they said, no, failure just means that things didn't come out the way you expected them to. I was like, oh, okay, I fail all the time, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> but you know, when, empathy to me is sometimes when people say they're empathetic, they're misguided in that definition. And it really is a, a form of narcissism, mm. you know, not necessarily. Most people who know truly that they're being empathetic when you can feel that inside, but sometimes it's mistaken for it's narcissistic, you know, but compassion, on the other hand, just doesn't necessarily mean that I have to feel what you're feeling. It just means I can just sit here with you and not say anything at all, Yeah, you know, because it is hard. Being a parent must be the hardest job in the world. I have no kids, but, you know, I know that's got to be the hardest job. <laughs> It's tough. I mean, it's a joy, too. I mean, yeah. it's tough and it's a joy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was thinking about you as you were talking about making choices. I mean, like you homeschool. Yeah. And that was a choice. Oh, you didn't just... That was a choice because, purely because, I kept looking around at everybody and saying, how come everybody else is not having trouble? Well, good for you. So yeah. I'm having trouble, so we're going to stay home and we're going to have a slower pace. We're not going to have so to wake up yeah. at a certain time. And it has been... And I wasn't excited about them, to be honest with you, because I have <laughs> five kids, a lot of kids, every day, never a break. But um, because I was having such a hard time doing what everyone else seemed to be doing without any problem, it has been the biggest blessing. And it's easier, this is 100% true, it is easier for me to homeschool and be with my children 24-7 mm -hmm. than it was for me to put my kids in traditional school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, so don't say, you know, oh, she homeschools and, you know, right. superwoman or whatever. I'm picking the easier route for my family. And I th and it thank God the easier route for mm -hmm. my family is the better route for my family because I would probably still choose the easier route for a bit if it wasn't the better route for my family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. And there is no right route. There's a better route for each person's for family. Right. This has been really great. I love how each one of y'all's statements generated these circular conversations. Well, and to doable, my political campaign if I ever ran on something she said was, kids should never have to wake up before the sun is up. That is just everything I have just ever having that learned from psychology and biology is yes. you shouldn't. Yeah. And like the parents are telling me, oh, we have to wake them up at 5 o'clock or mm -hmm. 5.30 to get them on the bus at 6.30. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine teaches English in China and dance too. And, oh, uh, Damien. Yeah, Damien. He's awesome. <laughs> but he said the one thing I realized is over there in China, they let the kids be kids. Yeah. He's yeah, a, there's two hours of exercise before class even starts. Yeah, yeah fun stuff. Yeah, fun, yeah, fun let exercise. Let them be kids. You know, yeah. movement. Wow. And we're sitting here, by the time they're nine years old, being yeah. like, you better yeah. get your stuff together. You're going to have to go oh, to college. And it's true. Like, no, I mean, as of right now, I have a teacher who's trying to get one of my seven-year-olds on ADHD medicine. Right. It's like making really great grades, not being sent down to the office, but he wiggles a little bit. It's like, okay, mm. awesome. Kids need to move. I tell my yeah. dancers that all the time. One of my first opening speeches to them is, how many of you had to miss recess today because you didn't behave? Well, all their hands go up. Don't make this 45 minutes because it's a lady and a gentleman that you have to actually touch. Don't make this 45 minutes as miserable as you have to spend your recess. Yeah. Let's have some fun and move around. Mm -hmm. You know, get some of that energy out. Yeah. No, That's it's what totally we're designed for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's healthier. I mean, I, I have friends that I went to high school with that I didn't see for 20-something years. And then they call me and they're like, hey, can I come have a meeting at your office with you? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like... 
yeah, I just had this idea, you know, that I've always wanted to do this. And I was wondering if you can help me with my brand. And I'm like, yeah. And they'll come in and tell me these ideas that they've had. And they, this, and you, you, what you discover is this was their natural path. Mm -hmm. This is the Mm -hmm. thing that they were geared to do. It's what they were made to do. But what they did was what they were like, well, you know, go get an instrumentation or engineering degree and plug into one of the plants out here. So that way you can get married, have a house, live in a nice neighborhood, get a car, get the bills, get the boat, right. get the vacation, and get, the, get in that cycle. Die and pay 25000 be buried. Yeah. And they're miserable. I, I'll tell you, like, privately, some of them said, I'm just so unhappy. I've been doing this so long, and this isn't what I want to do. But I can't quite unplug because I've got all this stuff yeah. I'm trying to sustain. And But I really want to do this. This is my idea. And you can see their face light up. The whole right. body language changes. And like, man, how many people, how many of us do this? My natural path was to be a tuba player in Tony's punk band. That's definitely <laughs> yeah. I do see people like, you know, when they hit their 40s and 50s, kind of coming back to that and saying, yeah. man, I'm tired of this rat race. Thank goodness. I'm going to do something on my own. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm going to be a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I do, I look at, I mean, God, boy, I can really get off in the weeds, but like, I see like all these things like job fairs and stuff. And I look to see who's there. And a lot of times I don't see anything that's in any kind of creative industry or any kind of fluid industry or anything that's that humanities and stuff like that. It's all industry and economy driven in we, we celebrate these things. You'll be like, 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 love, 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 share, 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 share. And oh my God, great. And you go, yeah, it is good that you give someone a means to mm-hmm. provide for their family. But there's the underbelly of all of that. It's like plug in, keep that thing going. And then, you know, that's the very thing that I honestly think is what's keeping our suicide rate so high. I really, really do. It's going to be I think there's really an unhappiness factor yeah. that's just I want to get those numbers from you after yeah. all this. Yeah, I'll send yeah, it to Shoot them to me. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big... I, and I, I don't know if there's any scientific or statistical research, but I am a big... I, I believe that us here in the South, our suicide rate is higher because of the chemicals that mm. these plants produce. I wouldn't doubt you know, that. And, yeah. and it's got what to play chemicals? a role. Water <laughs> vapor. It's just water vapor. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, I've lived here all my life, and I lived less than um, a half a mile, less than half a mile from Westlake. So uh, yeah. you know. I've had a call for about the past two months. This never happened to me in my life before. I've noticed that women in my life. It seems like almost every woman that I have in my life has some sort of issue with either endometriosis or Mm -hmm. some sort of uh, autoimmune or inflammatory thing. It just makes me wonder, is is something, are those rates higher than the rest of the country? If y'all aren't following this page, I would suggest it. Um, Do you know General Russell Honore? No. He came down here during Hurricane uh, Rita. He was the general that basically was in charge of the military when they went into New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. He was all over the news. Well, then he came to Lake Charles shortly after that. He's a retired Army general, and he started something called the Green Army, and he lives in Louisiana. And, dude, he fights and digs into environmental uh, law, justice, I mean, you name it. It's really worth following because you can get information. He talks about health, I mean, Cancer Alley, all of this stuff. I mean, he is out there fighting to really draw attention to things that are going on, like backdoor things where they're, they're saying, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to put this new this new factory, this new plant here. And you come mm-hmm. to find out it's just some you know, Chinese corporation that, yes. they, that the city council has kind of backdoored in to get a bunch of money, but they have all these different regulations for them. And it's really all kinds of great info. MS is an autoimmune disorder, mm-hmm. and it started in my gut. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It, it really makes you wonder, like, is there something going on with those rates? I think Enderama, they put up that the thing about how Enderama is putting out 100 times more emissions than they're yeah. supposed to. And what's going to happen? They're going to get a fine. Is that fine going to go to the area? No. I mean, the fine, I'm sure, is going to go to the government at some point. But uh, it's, yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like they're going to find some link to all of those things that's happening with yeah. the illnesses. and. Uh, yeah. You don't have to be too smart to link it all together. No. I mean, even the meth... Um, you know that runs pretty rampant in sulfur is you know that if I in the situations that I've had to help somebody help quote unquote I'm not helping anybody but you know first thing we do is a heavy metal detox you know mm -hmm. just to kind of flush but then of course any kind of detox brings about other mm. depressive type of states so you know it's like you can do something but you always have to constantly be supporting the thing that you're doing mm -hmm. you know and that's it's no, I mean, it doesn't take rocket science to realize that it's there's a link. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. no, it makes sense. I mean, that's you can get really into a larger conversation, right. even about climate change deniers. You know, you're going. I mean, come on, it's kind of obvious. I mean that. We affect the environment. I mean, we do. How it's, would it's, we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I my I, I kind of got into it with somebody about it, and I was like, look, I just got to simplify it. For me, humans affect the environment. I can tell you they do because the road just got widened out where I live, and a bunch <laughs> of trees got cut down. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, take the small things and compound them, and there you go. It's just a bunch of feedback loops, and we just keep progressively worse. Yeah, it's amazing to think that people don't see that if you take a plastic bottle and throw it on the ground and have 8 billion people do that day in and day out, eventually you're going to have a bunch of plastic bottles on the ground. It's going to cover <laughs> things up, and it's like, how, how, are we, how are we not getting this? I don't yeah, understand why we're not... stuff. Yeah. And I'm happy I know it. This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. 
tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. Wow, okay, so that was interesting. I, I, that's interesting where we land, but you know, there is one last part of the show. It's the end of every show. It's the fishbowl. And since there were more people here, we usually only do three questions and uh, there's more of us. So what I decided to do on this episode is I have never done it. I'm actually gonna draw the questions yeah. out of the fishbowl. So I'm gonna draw them and we'll ask and everybody can just chime in. We all need a movement break right now. <laughs> this is it, it's almost over. I'm gonna go deep though. Nobody ever goes like really deep. I did. You I did. Shook it you all went up. in there. Okay, let's that see what we got. That silly question. So, question one: Have you ever had a health scare? That's never been drawn before. Well, Tony, you've been talking about a your health. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. got, you got a, a constant health scare <laughs> yeah, in your I woke life. Up one morning, couldn't see out of my left eye. Went to the optometrist. He said, "Go get an MRI." They said, "There's scars all over your brain." Wow. A year later, I was in the hospital for eight days. Wow. Now I'm good. How far wow. after when you woke? How far after whenever you woke up with um, that vision loss? Did you get diagnosed? Let me see. I, I gave it about a week or so because I thought I injured my back and I was on some uh, prescription strength ibuprofen, and so I thought maybe something's going on with some of this medicine, and I just need to get it out of my system. Um, I don't like like pain medication. I, it makes me feel weird and oh. keeps me up, so I can't sleep on it. So I would just take ibuprofen, but I thought maybe something's going on. So I got off everything, and it still went that way. And probably three months later, I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd given it a while, then we went to see the optometrist. Then I finally got in to get an MRI with a neurologist, and that's when they... But then they had to do a spinal tap, so it was oh, about dear. three months. Yeah, hmm. it was awful. Wow. Mm -hmm. I've never dealt with anything like that. Me How about anybody else? Nobody? No health scare? The scariest thing that's ever happened to me is probably, I don't know, 18 years ago when I got rid of health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> that's a health scare. That was scary for a second because I was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? We don't have health insurance. I know. But that that That's an interesting thing to talk about. I mean, sometimes fine. I wonder. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, there was a lot of years where I didn't have it and couldn't afford it. And, you know, you go... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't horrible. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, but there is that fear. Like, it's a fear. Well, I, yeah, you gotta get, I don't have any fears of being, you know, I'm, <laughs> there's like an ongoing joke. Like, if there's a curb, I like to jump down. But, you know, I'm always like, oh, Roger's like, this one might be too high. You yeah, gotta be careful, yeah, you know. Right don't have, uh, can't be breaking those feet. So, that's, you know, funny. you can't be scared of these things. Of course, along with that, you know, comes responsibility. I don't have kids, which I've chosen yeah. not to have. Not because, you know, I don't want a little baby to raise and cuddle, because I'm not in the position that I would need to be into provide for a child i understand that i mean it's wise actually quintuple of children <laughs> but that wasn't me going through the process that would have been my wife at the time and yeah. uh and i definitely had fear for her and yeah. for the babies and uh but but i think she was going well definitely she was going through the physical uh a part of it and all that stuff so yeah what about you diana no, no fit as a fiddle yeah, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't, I don't think of anything for me. The closest thing I can think of would be when Michelle was pregnant with Eben. She had a fibroid tumor on the uh, in her womb. Yeah. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And so they 
you know, you have to do all these tests and imaging and all this stuff. I mean, it was just such a grueling ordeal driving out of town back mm-hmm. and forth and ended up they're going to do this robotic removal thing, you know, and it was oh, yeah. this, uh, Da Vinci, I think is what it was called. And so the whole process was just crazy. But then they get in there and they can't do it because it's uh, it's too close to Eben. Mm. So it's like, well, we have to leave it. And so now it's a waiting game of what we hope is going to happen is he's going to get bigger and then he, he'll start pulling the nutrients from the fibroid and it'll shrink. Mm-hmm. And so it was like this huge gamble thing and just That's waiting stressful. game. And eventually it all worked out fine. I mean, obviously he's alive and healthy, but <laughs> it was, it was scary. I mean, the whole process, it was a little bit nerve wracking and mm-hmm. worrisome, you know, not just for him, but for her too. Yeah. You know? In the spirit of honesty, I guess I should share that I have a thyroid disorder that makes my eyebrows fall out. So my eyebrows are fake. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever see my eyebrows and think they look beautiful, they're fake. Those are fake? <laughs> fake eyebrows. I couldn't tell There's from here. There's a few hairs that, you know, ah. I build off of, but eh. So your eyebrows fall out. <laughs> couldn't tell. My eyebrows yeah, fall out. Corner. I just thought you trimmed them up and plucked them up real good. No, I'm like, I'm eyeballed. Do you ever, do you have like a, uh, I don't know anything about putting eyebrows on. Is it like a, a guide a or a template? Like, no, what do I you use do? like a, that's a whole thing. I use a fake mascara and I get my whole forehead black. And then I take a Q-tip and clean really? up in the shape of an eyebrow. <laughs> How interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Eyebrows are big now. About you know, it. eyebrows are important now. So if you don't Looks have eyebrows. work on my head. <laughs> Mine's the opposite. I just gotta get rid of the unibrow every week or so. Do they all they'll pluck it or so what? I look like the drummer for REM if I didn't. No, I just gotta shave. Just shave it. Yeah. This is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's go to question two. That's wild stuff. I'm just gonna go for another piece of paper. Let's see what's in here. Wow, this is harder than it seems. You're like clinking. Exactly. I've never yeah, done you're this learning. before. Now you know what we go through. Yeah. Ooh. Should parenting classes be mandatory for new parents? No. The end. <laughs> no. Because somebody has to teach that parenting class, um. and then whoever's teaching the parenting class, well, they should be offered, and uh, if someone would yeah. like to take part, I yeah. think they should you know be what's optional. Mandatory. I hate that word. That's what I, I checked out the word rebels. mandatory. Yeah, what's mandatory. funny is I actually taught parenting classes. Was it mandatory? Before I had children. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and now that I've had children, and I'd actually be really good at it, uh, yeah, I haven't taught. So. <laughs> well, because everyone's an expert until you have kids, and you're like, oh, I yeah. didn't know what this was like. <laughs> You want to put. You want to decrease my odds of showing up to something. Put mandatory. mandatory. Yeah, Golly, we, uh, we used to pass out a paper. My boss, she's like a. That's the type of person she is. Mandatory and blah blah blah. If you sign this, we make our kids sign um, contracts. I, finally, I convinced her. I'm like, can we just call them something different? She's yeah. like, how about a memorandum of understanding? I was like, that, oh, sounds, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. now, you know, same thing. Like in the letter, it's like this is. These are mandatory. And when I go, I said, this is a commitment. Mm. When you sign this paper, you're making a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can tell you that you have to do something. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, hopefully for the sake of your team, you know, you're making a commitment. It's just words. A or, memorandum you know, of understanding. Right. Well, oh, yeah, for sure. I love that. For divorces, they now have this beautiful thing, really beautiful thing called uh, mediation, where uh, <laughs> instead of having to go to court and go in front of the judge and get lawyers, because uh, just like politics, lawyers ruin everything, uh, 
and it's uh you you go to a counselor or it can be a lawyer and they help you agree on issues and if you can agree on all the issues and there is there's a little bit of anger there's a little bit of resentment but usually they'll take the people and say look this is what if you go in front of a judge this is probably what's going to happen and once they tell them that uh it can be resolved quickly well this is a beautiful thing it's a good thing and so a couple of years ago Kakshi Parish made it mandatory I love that. that all couples go to, uh, mediation. to mediation and as a trained mediator that is an awful thing because yeah. once you start telling people you're forced uh, to go yeah. to mediation and then the lawyers of course tell the people you just have to go this, this to be mandatory do not yeah. agree on anything yeah. they, they come in and the lawyers have told them don't agree on anything mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah so it makes it a terrible it's I just kind of sit there for two hours yeah. I guess I get paid for two hours of sitting there yeah. but, uh, I had this yeah. interesting it's interesting you bring that up because I was thinking about divorce and marriage you know because we say you're signing this contract death do you part and it'll you know then you're divorced and obviously you've parted <laughs> <laughs> but what I went through mediation when I got divorced. Well, let me explain what I what I went through was <laughs> I went to mediation, but yes. the other person didn't come because yep. it wasn't mandatory. Mm-hmm. And the way that ends up working out, if the other person doesn't come because it's not mandatory, you're just left to sit there and wait mm-hmm. it out. I mean, and yes. and just they mark present 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 and they're like absent 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 for the other person so when you do go to court believe it, it or not look, the judge goes mm-hmm. well oh, well you didn't go to mediation that didn't look too great and so oh. it sort of begins to lean you know it was interesting mm-hmm. i thought mediation was going to be good though i really did i mean it, it is seemed a good like thing it was going to be make it mandatory and i've had times where i've even had the couples that didn't want to agree on anything and after two hours i've actually yeah. made them kind of agree yeah. on it and the next thing i know the next day the lawyer is sending something back saying well we've decided to disagree with that now. <laughs> yeah thank you mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting i would have loved to have went through that process i would i wonder always wonder back what it would have been what it would have been like things have been yeah, better would yeah. have been more peaceable mm-hmm. peaceful the family court generates so much money. my first husband and i used the <laughs> yeah. same lawyer so we went in there with a paper saying this is what we got and yeah, that's that was amazing the quickest six thousand yeah. dollars he probably ever made <laughs> this is unrelated but um i'm i was born a journalist like i'm a journalist at heart and so my, one of my things that i'm holding myself back on since i've met you is taking you out to dinner and having a glass of wine and hearing, because you have such a, your, Michelle has such a close relationship with your kids, hearing that whole story because oh. I'm a nosy journalist by yeah, nature. Yeah, you're just but curious. You want yeah, to hear I want to know the whole story. But I've held, do you see how much I've held myself back and haven't I didn't asked? know you wanted do to we, know that. I want to know all the things. I'll tell you anything I want to know, you want to I'm know. I'm so curious about people. Like, I want to know people's stories so bad yeah. Yeah. who podcasts the podcaster i mean we need to have a I know. I where the four of it. us question Orin. oh yeah. my gosh that would be we almost did <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Yeah. Did. diana was gonna take we were gonna do a show mm-hmm. takeover which now should be would be perfect but back then the baby was still little and she's yeah. still breastfeeding and she we can been, still do it we should do yeah, it. yeah because you know we're gonna make it like a whole thing like yeah mm-hmm. we were gonna listen to it and go wait what's going on somebody else has this show she was gonna do the intro and let's everything let's do it let's make it happen the baby's old enough to be left she said when she came in she goes i I was going to interview you. I was going to like, remember mm-hmm. that? You were yeah, like, that's gung-ho. true. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm not that interesting. Whatever. Just as Everybody's interesting as interesting. anybody else. Last one, guys. Fishbowl. Oh, I love this. What a great question oh, to end the, the show question. on. That's the one I was rooting for. No. <laughs> How has, I wrote this question. Okay. This was one of the first questions I was in here. All right. How has goodness manifested, manifested in your life in creative ways? Somebody had this question the other day. Read it again. How has goodness manifested in your life in creative ways? 
the way I and just as I wrote the question, yeah. my thoughts on it, the way I what my real question is is goodness manifests all the time in small ways, but have there been any ways in your life where you've just went, Wow, I didn't see this coming? Not just as a surprise, like a gift, but something that just snuck up on you. And you went, wow, this is a good thing, and I didn't expect it to be. Wow, look at this. I mean, I, th- I think just the way my life is. And so I have quintuplet children uh, that I split with my ex-wife. And then I have a four-year-old daughter that uh, with my wife. And, um, you know, so uh, I tend to work. I have three different jobs. <laughs> and... Um, it, as you can imagine, having that many children is a huge undertaking, and uh, my wife also having ankylosing spondylitis. I think the things, if you would have asked me back whenever I was in my 20s what I would want to do, it would be travel, I'd want to see the world, i want to be out with my friends, i want to do all this stuff. Um, even if you ask me now, it's going to be the same thing. I want to take my wife, I want to travel, mm-hmm. I want to see the world, I want to do all this stuff, and, and I'm not doing any of those things. Um, the bank account, as she's going to school, the, with our debt keeps adding up until she graduates, and uh, you know all that stuff's happening. Yet I am the happiest I've ever been, mm. and and so I guess the unexpected would be that if I'm looking at all the stats, I should be depressed and I should be mm-hmm. feeling sorry for myself. But uh, it, when you have that 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 person and then that purpose, and, and my kids are awesome, and it just uh, it just makes everything feel good. Yeah, man, I love that. That's beautiful, actually, Bruce. My wife, Jackie, her and her ex-husband's relationship has been a source of goodness. It's very odd. They should write a book. Um, it's wow. very, very civil. Uh, he comes over. We'll have dinner together. That's we'll, beautiful. We'll go to Disney every year together with him. We'll go to concerts, basketball games, take the kids' stuff. And uh, he's just a good friend yeah. to me, you know, and, and to her. And if he's going out on a date and wants some advice, he'll call her and say, wow. you know, it's just it's cool. It's very just unfamiliar, but it's just been a source of really. That's beautiful. Man, that is beautiful. Yeah. I, I can't relate to that. Yeah. That's really beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, we'll go to Disney before Christmas in a month or so, you know, and we'll all go together and hang out. And- wow. That, that sounds like yeah. an alien planet to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, yeah. I can't even comprehend that. Yeah, they had too much history to have a future and they knew it and so they weren't mad at nobody <laughs> they were just wow friends and had a kid together and were like man we're gonna do this great you know and they did hmm. mm-hmm. wow man yeah, he's I, cool i i i, I that sounds like yeah i can't even comprehend that i really can't none of that it just it's just not even close to the elements and, and, and to jackie's credit was like. she was like we're raising a child we're not going to do this wrong yeah you know even though we didn't work she's like we're going to do this right yeah everyone involved is and and they work together. Yeah, well, they work together. I'm very awesome. team Jackie. Yeah. I'm very team Jackie. <laughs> yeah, she's cool. <laughs> yeah. She loves you, by the way. Oh, good. I love her back. I want her number. <laughs> this is over. Um, uh, your second question is harder for me to answer about what did I not see coming. So I don't have an answer for that one. But how um, has creativity manifested goodness in my life? I think one thing I learned... Um, recently from Elizabeth Gilbert, who was my second favorite author after Glennon Doyle, Mm -hmm. um, is uh, that we were created, right, in the image of the creator. And so we are all creative, whether, and for some people, for some people, when you hear that, that, that sounds like you've been left out because you're not creative in a way that is really concrete. Like you don't play the guitar, you don't write, you don't sing, you don't act, whatever. But we are all creative in, in different non 
not obvious ways. And so my creativity that has really manifested goodness for me is is one that's a little bit more concrete in in writing. I write um, uh, in order to process myself, but also because I write what I wish I would have read, what what I don't mm, see out there yeah. for people that I want to say so that other people read it and feel like they're in a safe space or oh me too me too that's the that's the only the only reason i write other than because i have to get the thoughts out is because for the one person that might read it and say wow i'm not alone me too and that has been very good in my life yeah i don't know sorry (laughs) you don't know how goodness that's it I feel like you're so creative just from knowing you for well, five seconds. Well, I don't seconds. know what... I don't know if I quite under... I mean, I... Well, like, how has goodness just manifested in your life in a way that maybe came at you sideways and it went, oh, you goodness sort of emerged out of this thing in a creative way that I just didn't understand. Maybe I didn't perceive it, but maybe that hasn't I don't happened. Know, no, I, yeah, I don't... I've always been very... Uh, I try to stay... I try to stay very naive and I try not to make any... You know, no expectations, no hopes, no dreams, no, I don't, you know, goals, I guess, but I don't know. I don't really ever try to, you know, mess with what's already in line Mm. to happen. So as far as my job goes, I mean, I've got a very creative job. We've developed a program for, you know, kids and that works and that's good. That's very creative and it's definitely good. I mean, we reach thousands of kids, you know, all over Southwest Louisiana and that's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, all the time parents come up and tell me, you know, a parent the other day come up and tell me that she said, our kids from fifth grade are just different. She said, I went to the W.W. Lewis dance the other day, and she said, you can tell which elementary schools had dance sport and which ones didn't. She said, wow. they're just different. She said, they don't dance the dances that you taught them, but they are not afraid as sixth graders to go up and ask someone to dance. And the way they present themselves and the way they walk onto the floor, you know, so... Those are good things. Yeah. No, they are good things. It's like the you, yourself, the individual are the creative goodness. There yeah. you go. That's right. Yep. There you go. You're well, allowing yourself to be the creative goodness. Yeah. I, and I think for me, you know, the answer kind of relates to something Diana said. We can label creativity in these high spaces right. like, oh, it's, it's art, it's music. And some for me, I, I didn't even didn't know what I was going to draw. But as I was listening, I was like, what is it for me? And I think creatively, it's the use of death as a source of Mm -hmm. joy and understanding and learning because I lost my father as well, as I've shared with Tony, you know, and I talk about him on the show probably every episode. And I talk about some hard things, but it wasn't just my father's death. I mean, my whole life, every time I've been faced with depression or just heaviness what I didn't think I could overcome it was always death was always the door it was always the door to understanding myself it was always the lens I could look at life at and find joy I mean if I didn't have the lens of death I wouldn't see half of the joy I see I wouldn't see even a fraction of it mm-hmm. I mean when I see I go on these walks and be- you know there's 
street signs everywhere and it's not beautiful but when i look down at my feet and i see a little tiny weird plant growing through a crack and i can get down on my knees and get close and look at it and i see all this beautiful order coming up through this hard concrete i that to me is is death and life and i go i can see the beauty in that small thing because i know what i've i've seen what it's like without that when there is no life you know and and then losing my dad just as in that in that regard that has painted everything you know since since he died i mean i've been able to look at our relationship with eyes that i didn't have before i've been able to mourn deeper deeper than i've ever mourned anything in my life and that gets you into these trenches that you don't even know are in your heart i mean just god it's where all the the lost things are i mean it's the it's where the socks go you know i mean that's really what it was and so that stuff is creatively in a creative way death has created eyes you know that mm-hmm. see things differently and that's a good thing it's helped me and help, hopefully helped other people have conversations i couldn't have had mm-hmm. and connect with them in ways i couldn't have connected with them so yeah i hope i didn't bring it down no <laughs> no well this has been really really good yeah there is one last little thing that we do on the show if i can find it it's something new ish we've done it for the last few episodes oh and uh it's called better you in a box and so it's nothing that we need to talk about necessarily it's just something that we're going to pull out of here and it's an encouragement maybe to all of us and maybe to people listening and it's a mystery so if everybody just draw one and read what it says it's maybe to shake us into doing something we haven't done before how cool Your turn. Yeah, you'll go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Call a family member and have a meaningful conversation. I think this is a good one. Um, I have five brothers and sisters. We are all, uh, we're all, it's, we're close, but we're not close. We're all friends. We're all good. But uh, two of my sisters went to Maryland. I have another brother that's in South Carolina and then went to Georgia. And then my little brother still lives here. Um, and he's getting married in New Orleans next month, and so we're all going to come and congregate together. But we do, we do, we need to talk more, mm-hmm. um, and actual phone calls, and we need to Skype more and have the kids oh, actually yeah. Skype because I think the kids miss that connection. They have a few local cousins, but I don't think they get that there's all these actual cousins and aunts yeah. and uncles that are scattered <laughs> throughout the thing. And so uh, this is definitely something I want to do. Except I think I actually would prefer to Skype. Yeah, Which yeah. I, I like that. Okay. I don't utilize so, Skype enough. We pass that to Tony. I don't. I don't use like utilize it to communicate well, enough. Well, because you don't like cameras. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Got to <laughs> see myself. I can just no see it. No beauty pageant. I always uh, have a. I always call it my board meeting I in the mirror. Oh. You know, with myself. I don't. I try not to do anything until I I've had a board meeting. <laughs> phone calls are so awkward for me. They're just like, yeah. So what did you eat today? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Ask a friend to assign you homework. Oh, don't geez. forget the due date. Ooh. <laughs> Snap. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah, you can frame that a lot of ways. Like, that, I, I, that's an interesting exercise. Like, go to somebody. Like, it makes me think, okay, go to Michelle and go, Michelle, just give me something to do. Like, a, a, even if it's just a personal reflection or something, and tell me when you want to hear from me. But I could see that being very interesting. Yeah. Tell me something that you think I need to do. Or here, <laughs> I would. I think I would have to whip out a map book and really assign some. Oh, like some actual, <laughs> some actual. Homework. That's who you don't ask right there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, mine says, so obviously if you're waiting for a sign, this is your sign. Mine says, call someone today on the phone to just chit-chat. Oh. So if you're waiting to not call, like call somebody. Yeah. Do you if do you that? think about them, reach out. The universe wants you to call. Um, yeah, I actually did that the other day with my dad. My dad and I have a, an interesting relationship. Him and my mom are divorced now. But I called him the other day to chit-chat. And it's like whenever we talk, I'm like, gosh, why did I wait so long to call yeah. you? I have people I wish would call me to chit-chat. Yeah, call and, them. And I, I they, they, they don't know. They don't, they don't want to. Gotcha. That's why I wish they had the, the feeling like they wanted to. Oh, There's okay. a few people I, yeah, I wish would do that. And a soapbox that I've been on lately is uh, I'm a huge father's rights advocate. And by that, I don't mean anything anti-feminist or moms. Definitely support moms, but definitely a huge advocate of fathers having equal rights and fathers really getting involved with their children. And one of the things that I really want to help guys out on is don't do phone calls with your kids because that is so that's where it's like interrogating it's like you're really like hey what'd you eat for lunch today do something that's a little bit more fun whether it's um you know if you have the capability of doing it but maybe join them on a uh, video game Mm. online now we're actually doing something with them or skype them because even those little skype like on the phone they have the little games where you can like turn yourself into a dog and stuff and that way you're doing something fun and it sparks conversation you you actually get something more from it than just that painful phone Mm. conversation where it's like um and so uh yeah definitely a sign but also take the opportunity to tell people do something fun with it find like you probably find like a chess game or a checkers game online where you can play with each other and talk yeah you don't like those little words with friends type games make it something like they look yeah. forward to yeah that's yeah. interesting i like that huh we have the technology let's use it the right way for something good i like that yeah. <laughs> everybody's just different i think okay oh go out and eat a meal by yourself stay present no phone oh i loved i would i would like to trade <laughs> man, I'll do so that. I'll take that one yeah. too. Tony's like, hey man, I'm already, I'm in. That sounds, sounds like great. a nightmare. I have a, this is actually a challenge for me because I'm so curious about people and their, you know, whatever their situation. I just want to know everything that there is to know right then. So for me to sit at a restaurant with no phone or, or like, I guess I could bring a book, but I have to have something to pretend like I'm doing. Mm. Cause if not, I would just be like yeah. looking at Analyzing. whoever is having a conversation. Yeah. Cause I just want to, you know, I'm just so interested and I don't want to be a part of it. I just want to observe. I'm like big into body language and the way they move their head, their hands, their posture, their, you know, alignment to one another and the, you know, their mouth movements and things like that. Yeah. I, I just, so I could do that, but to be continued on if they kick me out of the restaurant for being creep. <laughs> See, when I go to, on my retreat up to Natchitoches every year, that's part yeah. of the one of the things I make a point to do is there's a cafe on the corner at, at Church Street. And um, I go in there and I order a little meal and I get a cup of coffee. It's usually be- before lunch, like I guess 1030. And I can do exactly that. I don't bring a book. I just sit in there and mm-hmm. I drink my coffee and I eat my meal. And I don't have anything. Yeah. And it's not awkward. And I think it's because of where that's at. People assume that you're just looking at the beautiful scene. That's what I would need. You know oh, what I mean? So, they, so you put yourself in a space where nobody, it's not awkward. They're like, right. oh, well, they're just looking they're just at looking the past. scene. You know? And I just, I have this um, just ability to, like, I'm a magnet. So when I make eye contact, even if I'm not looking at, even if they're not looking at me, when I look at someone, they automatically 
lock eyes with me. Mm. And then it's like, now we're going to have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have to, really. Yeah. I, <laughs> I like mean, I've that. had, you know, people follow me into coffee shop before because they thought either they knew me or we were because we had that that lock and it was like you know a chemistry that happened in that moment like you must have something about you because when i first got here i knew that i didn't know you but now that i'm sitting here watching you talk i'm like i feel like i know her (laughs) like not like oh i feel like i know you like in a friendly way although i do mean that i mean like i feel like we've met before i'm a lot of people yeah yeah, i'm a lot of people people tell me that all the time everywhere i go somebody tells me that i look like somebody Are, are you really to such and such right. or you know because I just have yeah. that familiar yeah. face and a familiar energy yeah. that is, people that's pretty cool though. Yeah, it, is. I mean, it is cool but you know it's the same thing like I'm not an extrovert even though I play one on the internet I'm not one I'm an introvert so I have to retreat to re-energize and that can take days right. I get you that know? yeah but right yeah. It's not. It's fun. I mean, it's fun. No but one ever is like, "Oh, you look familiar." I feel like I know not one person in my whole life ever. Really? Never. Never. I have a, a an angry energy. I guess not a familiar energy. He's nodding. Don't nod no, at my no. angry energy. Like, <laughs> the first part. As, as a band director, it's like, and being in a band, it's like you know everybody. This yeah. is like this huge yeah. community, and it, so it used to be like, "Hey, I, I think I know you." And it's like I marched in such and such time, and now that I'm a counselor, it's like. I can't just go to people and be like, hey, I think I know you because now I have to keep the ethics right. mm-hmm. in line and stuff. And so I see people that I think I recognize, but I'm like, oh, wait, I can't. You're not asking. Yeah, see, I never, Where do I know you oh, from? Oh, you're right. Oh, from counseling. Yeah. Sorry. See, I never go up to people. I've seen I've seen you in Kroger before, and I've you not. You said, oh, I saw you, but I didn't go but, talk to but you. But I yeah. didn't go talk to you, yeah. Yeah. Because I just, it's debilitating sometimes. Well, and then if you're listening, <laughs> this is a weird thing about, I mean, I was going to ask Tony this too, because you have a flock, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. so being a pastor, Flock, do you are you just friendly with everybody? You see them in the in in the. I just smile if I'm out in public. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like, a hey, gentle. Hey, like... what's up? You don't have like a, an intimate deep dive every time you mm-hmm. run into them. Can't do no. that. Yeah. See, I think people who listen to this show, if they listen to this show, I talk so openly about so many things. Like, and a lot of it's social anxiety. I've even worried. Like, do I? Is that now? People go, well, don't don't go talk to him because he's got social anxiety. A little. Well, for me, it is a little bit. Sometimes I try to hold back on like messages that I may send because I don't want you to ever think that it's just like, oh God, it's just blah blah blah. You know. So sometimes I go periods without. That's why I put my messages on different places. Sometimes oh, I may do okay. it personally. Sometimes I may put it on the link. Sometimes, That's you so know. thoughtful. That is because I don't thoughtful. ever want to, like, junk anybody up. Well, I just have. You know how it feels. And I just don't need a response and you all it feels like to me that you always feel like you have to respond oh no not no. anymore yeah. but in in, but in when previous first, like yeah I got when we first started but i don't need a response i just gotta get it out mm. <laughs> well it's interesting i mean when you're when you do things um you know we have the agency side and then we have like the podcast side well a lot of people don't know anything about the agency side they just know about the podcast so i even had somebody here i interviewed the day they said um so what's the deal? Is this what you do? Like, that's all they knew. And so I said, oh, no, gosh, I have a whole nother, like, thing. It's, like, the main thing. This is a side hustle. And they're like, oh, okay, okay. Well, I had a total misconception. You know, and I go, well, so let's just show you what we know. Yeah. I mean, like you, you know, someone, you know who recommended you for the show. And so I went, 
okay, I had never seen you, didn't know anything about you, but it hurt all this stuff. When I met you, it was so different than what yeah. my brain had like structured this different. <laughs> you were uh, oh yeah, I mean I've heard of Water's Edge forever, so I, I never would have pictured that this is what the head of Water's Edge looks like. Right, as a punk growing up myself, it's like oh yeah, that's pretty awesome. I see Diana all the time at church, um, and so we always are walking by each other with a bunch of kids, and then uh, yeah. Amanda. I heard. Yeah, right. I feel like we've made friends on Facebook, so it's kind of like you know through the mm-hmm. newsy kind of yeah that little stuff. group has been good i think i mean yeah. it lets people know hey this is just people who've been on the show we can kind of all in the same pool together you yeah. know yeah. yeah and then carrie you know a lot of people who are listening may have noticed carrie went quiet <laughs> she, she had to sneak out the door we mentioned she had a, a previous engagement yeah, but. And, and with carrie i need to be referring so many yeah. people to her and i'd never heard of what she did so now i'm like taking notes i'm like man i need to call back these old clients and right. send them yeah. away and all the new ones that are coming in so. yeah she's doing a great thing with social media with kids i mean it's just wonderful so many people are doing so many great things and i love how you guys all ended up at the table together i mean tony you may not know but yeah, diana i was a super fan yeah she, you were on the show and we mm. posted it and i think it was like a month or so after it aired i got a l- alert that someone had posted the link to your episode uh, yeah, i think you talked to jackie about it oh, okay yes. yeah it was kind of cool and i was like wow and then for her to come on and then end up y'all all end up together oh, no, that episode that. was like I shared it a lot because that episode I felt like was that was probably what started me on the whole unboxing God mm. thing. Cool, you know? Wow, that's yeah. cool. That is, that is With, neat. Yeah. Well, that's this. That's why this is so cool because even like Carrie, I went to the little the not little. It was not little. It was big. The fundraiser that she had. Oh and yeah. It was so awesome to be the person that knew what this organization what her organization was yeah everybody's like i'm i don't even know what truth facts and lies is and i was like oh well let me tell you <laughs> and i will link you to a podcast that will explain in detail my wife and i were like well maybe it's a murder mystery podcast like maybe let's look it up and i'd say i looked it up and i was like well that's that that's really amazing and from oh that's so funny truth facts and uh-huh. lies, dude I didn't mean... <laughs> the so, names <laughs> the titles yeah, yeah. and in, in counseling those are, those are issues that uh, I mean I have I have parents I have single moms bring kids in mm-hmm. and they'll bring this boy in they'll be like well he's doing fine I just need somebody to give him the talk it's like okay oh <laughs> that's what <laughs> I do here's a program okay <laughs> wow man yeah. I never even considered that the talk oh, wow yeah. but hey that, for that mom that's actually you know, a brilliant idea it is brilliant I tell the parents in our um, closer dance group, our academy, what we call our academy, I tell them, those parents on a personal level all the time, please talk to your children about sex. Oh, yes. Because I will if you don't. (laughs) And if you don't want me to be the one that has that conversation, then you need to. Because they're coming into an age now where, you know, some of the dances that we do are a little bit more intimate in the way that they move. And they need to be able to understand the difference, you know, in their hormonal for sure yeah, yeah. Their, their hormones are running rampant right now and we don't well we we try not to encourage you know cross dating That's interesting okay. and it, it's just it all ties in together and like what she does and brings awareness that's so needed and yeah. i always tell them i will have the talk with your child i have no problem with that so if it's too uncomfortable for you you can al- allow me to do it i will teach your child how to drive i've let all the kids drive my vehicle and you know you'll and I will assign talk to them, them a about math kids. problem <laughs> Their yeah. homework. It's no longer the talk. It's now the weekly segment. I mean, it's, it's, that's really how it should be. It's it really should be. Yeah. I can remember, but my dad 
came and tried to have the talk with what? me because I painted my fingernails blue. Mm, girl. And then he mm -hmm. came into my room one night and was like, you know. <laughs> That's I did, the opening. I knew nothing. I, it's, it's amazing that I didn't have six kids way back. <laughs> I mean, I knew nothing. Yeah. Real God. quick, I just got to share this, and we can be done because I have to share this because it's <laughs> hilarious. When I was in, th my dad's an OBGYN, and when I was in third grade, I went to my parents and asked them what sex was because I kept hearing that someone at school said sex was a boy pees in a cup and a girl drinks it. Oh my <laughs> And my gosh. mom was like, mm, "No, you're too young to know." So I was like, "Well, that's for sure what it is. She just doesn't want me to know." <laughs> right. So for years, yeah. I thought that's what sex was. Please cut wow. that out. Wow. Do you really want to cut it out? No, no, no. I said cut it out if. It's too oh, much. No, it's not too much. <laughs> that's Just what me. Diana thought in third grade. Oh my gosh. Well, that's a great place to end. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember, I do remember my dad trying to give me the talk and I got super nervous and yeah. ran out of the house and went to the bus. I don't want to talk about this. It's <laughs> yeah. very uncomfortable. I already yeah. knew it when my dad tried to talk to me. Yeah. Most kids do. Yeah. yeah oh they, yeah. 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 It's like, I don't need you to tell me all this stuff. Um, unless you're Diana and you want answers and you get none. That, Only urine. The fact that she was hiding it made it more. Yeah. Uh, okay. I guessed it. Yeah. That's right. God, that's interesting. <laughs> I am not going to name this episode that. Just so you <laughs> know. You. Believe it or not, I have already named this episode. And I, what is I, it? The Right Roundtable. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We kind of have an Look. 80s theme going with this show. And uh, I'll always love that song. You can spin you me play, right yeah, round, can baby. Can you play that? Well, can I play and, it? With a record? Yeah. I wish I could. They'd probably sue me. And just, you just have to say it at the top. Yeah. I don't own the rights to we this can, music. This is the perfect time for our punk band. We Let's sing it. Make That's something right. like it. Yeah, you just yes. do it like the tuba. I got. Yeah, yeah you guys bring Let's, it on. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank y'all so much. <laughs> thank it was you. a fun way to celebrate the year and uh you know just thanks for coming in and making it work right here congratulations yeah. a year uh, yeah. yeah that's crazy i can't even imagine what next year is going to look like it's so wild i mean so i mean awesome. it, went, it was so much better than i ever would have expected so the time that you have your anniversary means that it's always going to be automatic Automatic. <laughs> It'll be automatic. Automatic. That's very good. You got some good puns, man. I was saving that one. I was sitting on. I was waiting for the opportunity. God, so automatic. Automatic. Man, so many good yes. titles I could have named this episode, and I just already, I already shot that one out. Next year, 2020. Yeah, this is great. Thank y'all so much for being good people, doing good works in and whatever capacity. Yeah, and we represent. Uh, it was so different, but we all represent someone else that's been on here and someone else that's outside there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this special mixtape episode. If you want more conversations like this, consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash find the good news. Share the episode on social media or leave a review. It helps more than I can express. I appreciate all of your support for pressing play but most of all, for listening.